Welcome, one and all, to Ladies with Gumption, episode 116, Trust the Process. We are the Ladies with Gumption. We recap DCTV in a flash. I am Tatiana, and I am here with... Jessica. And May. You can find us at DCTV Gumption on Twitter, ladieswgumption.tumblr.com, and ladieswgumption at gmail.com if you would like to send us some feedback. And, of course, you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and Patreon, 24 hours in advance. If you are a Patreon member, thank you so much. We love you dearly. You get to listen first to new episodes, like I just said, as well as get exclusive content, such as Existing While Not White and Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash dctvgumption and we will use your hard-earned money to get ourselves new mics so that we don't sound like trash and also (laughs) to host the podcast itself so we appreciate you appreciating us now on to the news many lovely ladies including leslie bryant ashley marie ozzy testify megan tandy vanessa morgan anna diop Nafisa Williams and, of course, Candace Patton uh, made a PSA video recently um, talking about Ahmad Arbery and the racism that they themselves have faced in uh, the industry. Uh, it was a really great uh, conversation that I think that everyone should get a, you know, listen to when they get a chance um, and think about both in their own lives and in the larger scale. Would you ladies like to say anything about it? Yeah, we talked about it. Um, we talked about the situation last week, the case with Ahmad Arbery and um, we didn't, they posted the, uh, their video after we'd already finished recording, so we couldn't really talk about it in depth, uh, their reactions in the video. Uh, but it was really nice to see, because one, like CW and WB, they're not, this is not like a paid, you know, PSA or anything. There's no one's like telling them to do this. They, these ladies have reached out to each other and got together, which kind of like, um, let you know the kind of network they've been able to build within themselves, um, within the DC actors universe. All these ladies have been able to get in touch with each other. They stay in contact and, you know, speaking about something that means a lot to them as black women and a lot to me as a black woman as well. Um, so it was really difficult. And I feel like, um, like Ashley Mary, she was saying that, you know, she didn't want to see the video because she's, you know, tired of seeing, like, she didn't want to be triggered about that. And so I felt very similarly to her about, you know, having to constantly be inundated on social media with violence against black people. Um, I've seen, like, violence, like, police officers, like, being violent against, like, little black children. And so I just, I'm not, I don't want to see it anymore um candace also she she was the last person to speak and she ended the video really strongly um with a really impassioned plea about you know if you are someone that has privilege and you don't do anything with it then you're part of the problem kind of and she even like followed up on you know instagram she's been very vocal as of late about you know mm-hmm. you are white and you claim to be an ally then it's time to like put up or shut up you know um because even though it doesn't affect you, it affects me in a very personal way. So if you care about me, then this should also affect you. 
So I thought it was really, really good that they um, got together to put that out there. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I saw it. I saw it like a few days later, but it was. I was really emotional watching it, especially like near the end, um, because you're right. Like these things have been happening for so so long, and everyone's just tired. And I can't even imagine like specifically the black community being just exhausted of just seeing all this violence all the time, um, and it's constant. It's consistent. Um, so seeing these women come together to speak about something that's very important and making sure that their uh, white counterparts and even like non-black um, people of color stand up and also fight the good fight with them because they only, like they said, they can only do so much. So it's time for people to, you know, rise up with them and, and give their voices because they... I think it was, uh, was it Vanessa Morgan who's like, these people are not, you know, following her and, and others, right. Right. all these actresses. They're following, like, the, the white people, you know. Mm-hmm. So they also have to, like, do their part in showcasing. It's not about, like, losing fans and, and you know, catering to Trump supporters or whoever and, and just generally racists. It's about, like, actually talking about something that's important. Um, and I think that they really did a great job in conveying such a message, and it was really powerful. And it's like even if they, you know, you have racist fans in your fan base, they're not going to leave because you say, "Please treat my black co-star nicely," or that you won't put up with it. They may pretend they'll they'll, they'll right. kiss your ass and pretend to be okay, even if they're not. And that even just that will help, yeah, black co-star in the long run. And when you don't do that, then you just, like, create this sense of complacency that, you know, you're okay with it. Very, very true. Um, in less um, serious news, CW picks up Swamp Thing. Uh, although it's not really picking it up. It's more like CW is just going to also air Swamp Thing, <laughs> um, <laughs> which was canceled. Um after the first episode aired on uh, DC Universe. Uh, because right now we don't have anything production, so, like, lots of channels are just picking up, you know, like, previously canceled shows or, like, Canadian shows, etc., just so that there's programming slots. Um, yeah. And Doom Patrol Season 2, which thankfully appears to have finished filming, yes. uh, will premiere on HBO Max June, uh, June 25th. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con will have a virtual Comic-Con, although I'm not really sure, like, what the status of that will be, because... Yeah, they didn't really explain other than the video. It's like, everything's at home. I was like, so does that mean everyone who doesn't have badges can can get in on whatever that is that you're doing? Right. <laughs> they supposedly were going to do one for WonderCon, but it was really just like, here are links to the different vendors to go buy their things. Oh, lame. So, <laughs> not the case for Comic-Con. Hopefully they'll have panels, you know, like just Zoom panels. That'd be awesome. And, you know, it's like you go in and in 40 minutes you get cut off, right? So, <laughs> just like a regular <laughs> panel. Anyway. Whew. Aside from that, um, Beth Schwartz is going uh, to be on Sweet Tooth, or she's going to be executive producing Sweet Tooth, which is apparently based on a DC comic that I've never heard of. Um, and RDJ, is is he in it or is he producing it? Um, both? He's in it and okay. yeah, both, okay. and she's also co show co showrunner. Very cool, very cool. 
So, um, sad times for birds of prey. Uh, not birds of prey. <laughs> Oops. Uh, uh, Green Arrow and the Canaries. Green Arrow and the Canaries. <laughs> Close enough. Sad times for the Canaries, but happy times for Beth Schwartz. Robert Pattinson, question mark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you should. But that, I mean, that is like accurate, though. Yes. <laughs> Robert Pattinson? <laughs> I saw that GQ profile and it was yeah. hilarious. Like, I, I cracked up laughing for five minutes because underneath one of his photos, it said underwear his own. <laughs> his own. <laughs> How did he, like, survive his entire life? Like, the whole thing about describing him trying to make pasta? <laughs> it came exactly. with, like sugar and cheese slices and aluminum foil and like a, what he thought was an oven and like the interview like that's clearly a microwave. He's like, no, 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 it's so cool. It's cool. <laughs> Isn't there like also a bit about how he was worried that the WB would forget about feeding him? <laughs> I, I think it was also like a lot of like um, some like. Discussing pasta adjacent news, a lot of, like, fanboys are, like, getting in their feelings because he hasn't been, like, working out or he doesn't look like he's been working out. And he's like, Batman's supposed to be ripped and da 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 And, you know, they're all mad that he's not doing what they want him to do. So it's just, this is going to be, like, hilarious. And that's just really dumb to me. I saw, like, two seconds of some guy ranting and I don't know who yeah. he is. I don't even care, but it was really, it was really pathetic. This man's a grown man. He was like in his late thirties, forties or something. And he was just going off. And I'm like, you know, that, you know, being really buff as a superhero is a, it's kind not, of a new thing in yeah. live action. <laughs> so it's not, not that serious. <laughs> like Ben Affleck was too big. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> too much. <laughs> okay, a little bit. So, uh, yeah. So, um, Robert Pattinson has had a hard life. Now we know. Um, not feed himself, please. Someone help him. Uh, we also got a uh, grandest interview from Leanne, in which she once more uh, tricked them into mind telepathy, so they would respond the same way about things. Um, she, in fact, <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw this. Or did you or, or did you post it? So that's the reason I saw it. We'll see. Um, you know those like Barry and Iris YouTube videos where they're mm-hmm. like a compilation of like the times Barry was jealous or like whatever. So mm-hmm. they did one that was like a compilation of the times Grant forgot that he isn't Barry. And oh, yeah. Leanne commented on it and she was like, <laughs> I love how most of these are my interviews. Oh my god. <laughs> I didn't see that <laughs> So <laughs> So Leanne is uh you know your source for grandest content, because you can't get it anywhere else. Um, Eric, Eric has uh, given us many uh, flash teases of what the season finale might have been, what we can expect. I don't know if we want to talk about that in the flash section, or if we want to talk about it now. We can talk about it in the flash section. We'll, we'll talk about the flash section, so you'll hear more on that later. And in devastating news, uh, the CW uh, DCTV schedule has just been shifted to 2021. So, all of our shows are going to start in January of next year, um, with Supergirl and Legends held for even longer than that. Um, Superman and Lois is going to be uh, premiering right after The Flash, so we're going to get that sweet spot. So, we'll see how that goes for them. Point four ratings, here we come. Um, production will probably begin <laughs> in late summer, maybe? Sounds like August? August-ish, 
yeah. yeah. It depends August on when they... Early September. Yeah, it depends on when they finish, like, figuring all the new rules and, like, all the countries in question, in this case Canada, sign off on it, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and while it does not sound like we will have a shortened season, uh, we'll probably have future... Future? Fewer um, reruns in order to make it through all 22 episodes. I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> Although technically it'll still be a shortened season on it because we still have three episodes of season six. So then we'll have like a 19 episodes of season seven. Oh, that's true. That's Unless great. they do mean 22 episodes of season seven. So really it'll be 25 episodes. We don't know. Yeah. We'll find out. I hope not. <laughs> but now we'll move on. We'll just like extend out, you know, so if we... Is the, the plan to do 2021 for this season, but mm-hmm. still start in the fall for the following season? Or is it just going to be like, this is like the new normal? And if they do 25 episodes, I feel like they're just pushing it further out to where yeah. they also have to push back the yeah. premiere the following season. So That's true. I think That's they would true. just have a shorter break between seasons and that then they'd just go back to regularly yeah. scheduled right. programming. Exactly. So now we will go back to regular scheduled programming with May <laughs> as our host, um, Superbat, and then Legends of the Flash, likes, dislikes, Lady with Gumption of the Week. Take it away, May. Hello. I am May. <laughs> On side A, we have Domino Effect slash Reckoning, where we'll start with Supergirl. Lena discovers the consequences of Project non Cherry. Supergirl and the team go head-to-head against Ramakan and Leviathan. Meanwhile, Lena and Lex must join forces when Project non Cherry fails, leaving the two siblings in serious danger. And Lena finally sees the light and goes to Kara because she realizes that her bro- brother is indeed trash. So what sparked joy? Well, I think that sparked joy, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) I had to watch this episode twice because literally the only thing that I can remember is Lena realizing non-notary is not a great way to save community (laughs) and um, her apology to Kara. Those are the two standouts of the episode. The two two scenes that made the most impression to me um, were those two. I think, like, it was a necessary, I don't, uh, well, you know, Lex's reaction to it will be definitely being my dislikes, and I'll go into that, like, a lot more in detail there. But, you know, Lena kind of, in her apology to Kara, and her, you see her thought process on realizing why non-nocheri was not a great way to save humanity, and, you know, why pain is a necessary part of the human process. Um, I think the way that it was revealed also was, you know, it helped with Lena's understanding of, you know, you can't just push a magic button and then make everybody nice. Like, even in the best of sterilized experiments, circumstances, there's no outside, you know, factors to mess with the experiment, but in one thing like a fight and flight response is still like the core of who human beings are and that initiated the whole you know fight and flight it goes above the non cherry directive so you know like she said the the humans have evolved beyond non cherry so even when they have this thing there's you know they can evolve to disregard it and to treat it as a virus or a flu or something like that um so I, I think that that was that was good that there was like a, a 
a fail safe in that, you know, Lena, you're not going to get your way. You can't just like push a button and then like have everybody. It's not that simple, basically. Um, so her realizing that and then her taking that information and reflecting on herself and how she was trying to really, when she, when she says she's trying to fix humanity, she's really trying to fix herself so she doesn't hurt anymore. Um, and, you know, how that has related to her relationship with Kara and how she felt when Kara lied to her. So that whole apology scene, um, Katie McGrath did just, like, a wonderful job, like, the whole, like, lip quiver and all that kind of stuff, just, like, peak Katie McGrath. <laughs> um, and, you know, how she took responsibility, accountability for everything that she's done up to this point. Um, she confesses about Leviathan and Lex and how she thought that, you know, I'm not a part of this. I'm not working with Lex. I'm doing my own thing. But really now, when she looks back on it, you know, she knew all the time, but she just didn't want to, you know, be truthful to herself. But now she is, and now she wants to help. Um, so I, I thought that was really good way to get her back on track and back on the Super Friends side. Um and then I went back and I watched it a second time to figure out what else happened in this episode. <laughs> um, I like that Magan is still here. So last week I'm like, why is she here? Like, you know, it's good to see you, girl. But why, you know, what are, what are they setting up to? I still don't know why she came back. I feel like I missed that part. But it does seem, you know, with her and John, um, first she's here to report that Mars is on the road to peace. So that's great. Uh, but then also... It seems like now that Mars is settling down, Magan has more time to do what she wants to do, a.k.a. be with John. Um, so it is positive or optimistically thinking that maybe they'll get more of a storyline. Either they'll get more of a storyline on Supergirl or John will just yeet off to Mars where it's peace now and be with Magan for a while so either way something could happen but I like that they are have not forgotten about that ship um uh William and Kelly investigating and I think okay so we had Alex and Kara investigating with Pete we had Kara and William investigating to find Eve Tessmacher and then or investigating to find eight, employee 879 or whatever 873 and then William and Kelly. So there's, like, a nice little chain of, like, investigative events going on. And I like how they were not deterred by the whole episode last week. Um, Cara, <laughs> and, like, she is, William must be, like, the best cook ever. Because she's like, oh, my God, your food is so good. What's your secret? And then, <laughs> then when she got, like, the, the message from Jean that they had to go, she had to go to... Uh, stop Ramakan and she was like made up some like silly excuse but like her cat her sister's cat or something like that and the one's like oh my god let me go cats love me for some reason I'm like of course they do of course they love you because <laughs> William can he do is the perfect man he cooks he doesn't cook cats love him <laughs> he does wrong ever <laughs> it's great he's never done anything wrong in his life in his life uh, <laughs> he is like lawful good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's> extreme. <laughs> um, 
I liked William and Kelly investigating. Um, and we saw Nia. We had we had Nia back, which is great. Um, Nia was great. Brandy had a plot. I'm trying because like a lot of stuff within that plot and between them. Um, maybe you fall more into my dislike, so maybe I'll talk about that later. Ooh. But, yeah. Is that that on that? Probably. Okay. Well, um, I'll just start, you know, Brainy, like, starting to realize that maybe he's being played, like he got the brain part of his name back, um, and now maybe something will change. <laughs> Super into that. Um, love. Intellect. <laughs> the return of Sean Astin. Hey, friend Pete. Um, so, yeah, Kelly and Pete. Um, helping the Danvers sisters go through the archive, learning about Leviathan. I think it's cool that you can actually find traces of them in this world, right? It's not like they disappeared entirely. If you do enough research, you can see the origins. So that was pretty cool. Also, like, Pete giving Alex advice and being like, hey, you know, you can't really lean too hard in this military life. Like, you have to find a new road for yourself. Yes, that was great. Um, And then, of course, when Kelly was like, well, maybe she just wear a mask and go full Guardian vigilante. And I was like, oh, okay. I would be okay with Alex vigilanteing and Kelly being, like, the man in the chair for her. So that could be fun. Um, so, yeah, I support both of their attempts at supporting Alex. And speaking of Kelly, as Jessica said, I am totally here for uh, Kelly and William teaming up to investigate. Um, and now that William's gotten himself kidnapped just in time for the not-quite-finale, I hope that we'll find out whether or not he and Kara are actually dating. Maybe she will express concern for him. <laughs> In that episode. <laughs> um, aside from that, I totally agree. Um, William is a beautiful tropical fish. The only thing he ever did wrong in his life was be mean to Kara for two episodes. And that was, he was so consumed by guilt that he did that. <laughs> he was like, I have to come clean and tell you that I did all these horrible things. Like, say to you, do your job when you weren't doing your job. <laughs> so shit, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, aside from that, yes, Tania getting to be in the episode. You go. We love that for her. Get your paycheck, Nicole Mains. Yes. Um, I loved her telling Dream Rainy to screw off because she was like, I need to focus on my Leviathan. The Leviathan part of my dream. Go away, ugly green Brady. And then with real Brady, she was like, also screw off because I don't know who you are. Get the fuck away from me. And I was like, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I, he, I think he needed to hear that. So now he sees how much he's alienated his, his loved ones and, Again, more reasons for him not to listen to the weird other Brainy um, from weird other universe who has not come back to give any information. So, yay. Um, Magan, I'm here for another episode. Being cute with John, they got to kiss. I'm here for it. Again, I also don't know why she's here. Maybe she was literally just here to report, your brother is doing great, and this planet is doing great. <laughs> Let me help. Okay. Because, like, yeah, I guess she was like, I have nothing to do now that your brother came and took over. Like, that was going to be my job, but okay. <laughs> I'll just come back and Instead of out. sending an owl, she came all the way to Earth yeah. to do it. <laughs> yeah, she missed him. She wanted some of that sweet John lips. I understand. Yes. Um, <laughs> also very thrilled that Lena came to her senses, finally, that she ditched Lex. Um, I hate what it took to get there, but Katie and John were both excellent in that scene. Um, and Katie was also excellent in her apology scene to Kara. It was good to hear her admit, you know, where she went wrong, to actually, like, explain herself to Kara and to be like, hey, I was blinded by my own hurt, you know. I was feeling betrayed, and so I took it out on you. Uh, insert 
Taylor Swift's Afterglow here. If someone has not made a music video to, to, to Afterglow by Taylor Swift for Supercore yet, you were doing it wrong. That song was made for them. Okay. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. Glad that Supercore are on the same page. And glad that um, Kara gets to be the one that's kind of, like, a little cold. Like, okay, I'll work with you. But that doesn't mean I have to like you right now. So, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> are those all your likes, my dear? That is it. Okay. Yes, I too loved Megan and Jean kissing and getting some love. <laughs> I love that Megan actually stayed and didn't just disappear for some inexplicable reason, which is why what I thought would happen on this show. It's like, oh, she's here. Now she's gone. Poof. Um, Lena's apology to Kara and Kara actually listening, like letting Lena talk without interrupting. That whole scene was just done so well. We all know how much pride Lena has and how stubborn she is. So the apology in and of itself is like a major step forward. And Katie McGrath really killed it uh, in that scene. It was very nicely done. And it, you know, like Tati said, Kara's like, yes, I'll work with you. She seems very reluctant. But at the same time, it's like she didn't feel the need to cut her off or speak her piece so she just let her talk and that apology like probably took a lot and it was very very good um all the feels alex getting that little pep talk from pete about adjusting having to adjust to civilian life and like possibly putting on a mask because the deo was her mask and now she has to be out in the real world and she actually needs a physical mask (laughs) i was really good and i think it uh kind of brings together Alex's whole journey from the beginning of the season to now and her leaving the DEO and having to adjust and and all that stuff. So that was really great. Um, Kelly and William make such a cute team. And I love the fact that even though Kelly keeps getting a no from Andrea, she's like, nope, I'm going to do this because it's important. It's going to save people's lives because my boss is a moron. Um, so that was really good. And of course, you know, William being the, the perfect man who can do no wrong. I also laugh at that. <laughs> where cat, no, cats just Patrick. love him. Cats love him. <laughs> Probably grandma approved. Like, yes, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> she will take that man home to um, Eliza and she'll be like, Woo, where did you find this guy? That is, of course, if they are actually dating <laughs> But I assume they are, but, you know, came late in the game or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, skeptical. (laughs) Um, uh, What else? else? Lena uh, coming to the realization that, you know, at long last, you can't control humans. Anger and hate and just negative emotions are a part of the human experience, and blocking that out creates chaos. And, you know, it's really sad that it took this long for her to realize such a thing um, and that she can't control people's minds because that is wrong and robs them of free will. But, you know, at least she did realize it and she sucked it up and got away from Lex for good and that you know, it seems her and Kara are going to be working together to bring him and uh, Leviathan down. So that was nice. Um, Nia really, you know, giving it to Brainy. Be like, you're an idiot. You've been just doing whatever. You've been secretive and um, really letting him have it was really nice to see because I feel like Brainy's gotten away with a lot of different things this season, uh, the back half at least, and no one has really called him out on it or suspected it, um, but he's been really shady, and you know I'm glad that it was that Nia was the one to tell him these things because 
someone has to snap him out of it. It's like the parallel to Lena and Kara in a in a little bit in a little way. Um, and I guess yes, Brainy finally realizing that you know I shouldn't be working with Lex, but Did he's take still. Seriously? No. No. <laughs> I shouldn't have. <laughs> but, you know, it, it is what it is, sadly. Um, what did not spark joy? That. <laughs> I <laughs> As much as, you know, it's great that Brainy is finally starting to, you know, see what Lex is really doing and kind of how that conflicts with what he thought that they were doing, I just found it, like, so hilarious that he – you know, part of his excuse to, like, Lex is like, how did you know I was here? He's like, 12th level intellect. And I'm like, really? When is the last time that you used the 12th level of your intellect this season? <laughs> <laughs> it just really doesn't make sense to me, like, why he has been this easily manipulated by Lex. And it goes back to last week, why I don't know why anyone is this easily manipulated by Lex, especially when they're not supposed to be, like Gemma and Leviathan. Um, and even, like, this episode, when... She was, you know, bragging to Ramakan about how she's luring these puny little humans into their, like, sense of security. But then, immediately after, it was like, look what Lex brought me. He brought me a gift. Isn't he on our side? I'm like, come on. It would, like, I would be, you know, so much happier if Jimma was, like, said something about, like, you know, look what this idiot Lex gave me. He doesn't even realize how much of a, you know, advantage he gave us. But I don't think she thinks that. I think she truly believes that Lex wants to work with them instead of like working against them, which is, you know, she's just as stupid as Ramakan. And <laughs> I don't understand how, you know, Lex can be like the only smart person in the room. Like everyone has to be dumbed down so Lex can be the smart person in the room. Andrea has to be dumbed down to not be, you know, in on this like at first, she was in on the Leviathan plot, so she was shady. And now, post-crisis, she's not shady, but she's just really stupid. <laughs> and she continues to, like, she's, like, the worst business person in the world. She has all these problems with her technology, proven documented problems. You had an employee hoard a bunch of defective um, VR glasses and people to kill them, and yet you want to hold a festival? Like, are you serious? And, like, every time that Kelly and William bring up these, like, legitimate issues to the brand, she's like, oh, but we have a little momentum. Like, what momentum could you possibly have with all of these, like, big-ass scandals against Obsidian and your VR technology? Like, why? I don't know. She's just, she was more interesting when last, before Crisis, I feel like. And now I think they just have to make her very stubborn and very stupid to make their plot work and to keep her on the outside. Like, she's not even involved in the plot anymore. She's just, like, a plot device. Um, so I don't really like that. Um, going back to, like, Lex and Lena, um, I love that Lena was able to come to terms with her real reasons behind why she wanted to do Nano Cherry and how that led to her apology to Kara. Did not like Lex berating her at all like it was just abusive to me in that moment um you know especially because she's already like of course everybody knows we all know as the audience that this non-notary is not going to work it's never going to work it's not a great idea but like watching Lex pile on Lena while she was down and also um 
it was very like I did all these things for you, nice guy, TM kind of shit, and you still won't let me, blah, 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 and, you know, that kind of, like, you really see, like, what his actual motive was for helping Lena, and it wasn't to help Lena because he believed in her, it was to help Lena because he knew it wasn't going to work, and he wanted her to feel indebted to him because he did all of these things, and those are, that's very, like, a nice guy, TM thing to do, and it was just, really hard to watch um the fact that you know he basically bought her a prison to play house or play doctor with a bunch of people and then she's like you know what this is not a good idea and he's like you know you owe me kind of thing and he blows up the prison all the prisoners in there die because he's done like lena doesn't want to play doctor anymore and so he just kills like a whole bunch of people and it just kind of shows you like the person that he is. So, like, seeing, like, that argument, then the after fact of him just, like, blowing up the prison because he was tired of it was just, like, gross. Um, the Nia and Brainy thing. I, I really enjoyed that Nia was in the episode. Um, I thought that she kind of had the <laughs> lighter end of the workload, though, because her, like, everyone's like, okay, I'm gonna go with Alex to the library to talk to Pete. I'm gonna go see what William's doing. I'm going to go da 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 and Nia's like, I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I know that's how her powers work, but I just felt like, you know, she was napping for a long time. <laughs> and she could have, I don't know, she could have been, you know, more involved. I did like that um, Super Dream were kind of like upset with Brainy and, you know, him playing hardball and, and not exactly um, being forthcoming, but then again, they weren't forthcoming with him either, and all that kind of stuff. But and I like that Nia put her foot down with Bernie. Um, but it just it felt like that was the main part of like her story was to give Bernie someone to yell at, uh, yell at him. Um, so again, like she's she's asleep <laughs> until <laughs> she needs to yell at Bernie. And then maybe she goes back to sleep. I don't know. But I feel like they're not really utilizing her very well outside of drama with Brainy. And then again, Brainy's just, you know, is he a 12th level intellect? Is that true? I thought, like, him, uh, like, opening his true self would, like, make him more aware. And he just seems less aware. Even at the end when... You know, he's in the limo with Lex, and Lex is like, yeah, he's stupid. I told you. Like, I, I knew you were going to do that because you're just all gooey inside. And and he's like, oh, you got the chip. Okay. And I'm like, do you believe this? Are you still – and he was, like, still working with him? Like, ugh. Very frustrated. That's it. I, too, am very frustrated with Brainy. So I totally agree with you that it's not enough for him just now to realize that maybe this is a bad idea. It's like, hello, we've been telling you this for, like, ten episodes, sir, please. Um, so it is very stretch to see. And, yes, I agree that Nia did not do much aside from dream about Brainy and then yell at Brainy. But, <laughs> but well, you know, I guess it's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. Um, I also uh, did not like Kara being all, um, Luther's are bad news. Oh, oh, Nina's just like her brother. And I was like, yes. All right, relax. This is this is uh, way too big of a flip flop. I mean, also it's like, hmm? also, like uh, when she, they also kind of like 
not it was like a minor annoyance but when Lena's like apologizing at first like Kara is just like standing straight but then she like crosses her arms and like gets all like pouty I'm like come on yeah. she is crying here you don't need to like make her feel even more bad by crossing your arms like a disappointed parent come on <laughs> yeah exactly she was this um, close to saying I told you so <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> what did I tell you yeah um so so that was like a bit much for me especially because this is the episode where Lena does realize the error of her ways and apologize so you're like uh okay you know sure now you have to be wary whereas if it had just been yesterday if just yesterday Lena had come and apologized you would have been like open arms besties forever so it's just whatever one of those like convenient things but anyway also, return of white man named Ramakan. I don't care. I don't care about this man. I forgot he existed, and I loved it that way. It was a great life. Then he came back, and I was like, oh, him again. <laughs> um, now he's destroyed his DEO, which is not terrible. That's fine. And also stolen kryptonite, which is very terrible. So we're going to have to deal with him for longer, especially because Lex is playing whatever game with him. And, yes, Ramakan and Chick, who is not Ramakan, whose name I forgot, make the Leviathan look stupid. And, again, just downgrades. Gemma, Gemma yes downgrades the whole threat level. Like, how are these the, like, godlike people that ruled the Earth last time or that can go toe-to-toe with Lex Luthor? They just seem dumb. They just seem like they're, like, out-of-the-loop, you know, baby boomers, right? And Lex is like, okay, boomer. So. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like it, and I don't care about it. And then, of course, most importantly... This whole, like, non-Nochera Nochera programming that's going head haywire and ending up exactly the way that we told Lena that it would end up from the second that it entered Lena's mind as a thought. Like, of course this is where it was going to lead. How could you think it would go anywhere else? So the fact that it took literally all season, and now the season is ending next episode, for Lena to realize what she should have known from the start is very annoying and disappointing. Um, and of course, Lex trying to manipulate her again, um, treating like, like she actually is an idiot, right? And being like, oh no, now we have to take over the world together. And then when that doesn't work, screaming in her face about how she basically can't do anything and he just wanted to prove to her that she can't do anything about him was so awful and I hated it. And then of course, he blew up the prison. I'm so upset. Save Steve! Someone! <laughs> Don't let Steve die! So, there you go. That's it. Yes, all wonderful dislikes. Uh, I agree, uh, especially with, like, the Nia thing, because I was just going to say, you know, she came back. She's been missing for about two, maybe three episodes, and the time that she does finally come back and gets something more to do than just kind of stand around is pertaining to Brainy and Brainy's story uh, versus, like, kind of her own. After that whole um, trans-related episode, it kind of dropped off for her in big ways. And it's really annoying to continue to see that the writers generally seem to only care about her when it comes to progressing Brainy's story. And it's becoming really frustrating. Um, Andrea's stubbornness. I don't know what the hell is wrong with this woman. She is the worst CEO ever. Like, how hard-headed can someone be? I Some, forgot to complain like, about her. But yes. Imagine someone coming to you. It's like, you know, Kelly is the whistleblower and she's coming to Andrea but instead of actually listening, because before she seemed like she would, and now she's like, no, 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 we've we fixed it, everything is fine. And the more time goes on, the less I buy the whole Obsidian tech and how it ties in with Leviathan and all of these things. Like, 
the season is trying to bring everything together, but it just the whole Obsidian thing and the whole Black Mirror themes that they wanted to have going on, it's just gone away from them. And then tying it back to Leviathan, who are like gods, to me takes away a human's agency in the story because it's like, why do gods care about tech? Like you said, you know, Tati, it's like the Leviathan are the boomers and they're like, why should I care about this piece of technology? (laughs) (laughs) It is just another thing that you all invented so you could play with. Um, So I just don't quite care really (laughs) about how they're trying to bring everything together because Leviathan to me is just so boring they're boring and they spent like all season being big bads behind the scene but they're not even like remotely threatening to me um Ramakam is back which is upsetting because I like Mitch Pelleggi and he's done some great stuff in sci-fi and other properties and whatnot so it really sucks that he's in this role where he just pops up once every like six seven episodes and is super patronizing and doesn't really do much besides want to show his, you know, man strength or whatever. And it's just really annoying. And the fact that, like, Lex is still tied in with Leviathan and Gemma's continuing to work with him. And it's just, whatever, it's trash. Um, Brainy, of course, taking too long to realize that Lex is going to Lex. <laughs> Lex is going to Luther. And you should know this. So the fact that he's really surprised that Lex might be deceiving him and doing shady things is just remarkable to me. Like, he's gone from 12th level intellect to, like, first level intellect. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and like you guys said about Kara and, you know, talking about both Luthers being bad news, it's like she's decided that Lena's a villain and that's it. So it's like she's also being stubborn about the fact that, you know, she's not going to change her mind. So it sucks. (laughs) I'm trying to think of other things because this episode, I feel like the last several episodes of Supergirl have just kind of been blah. Like, you know, Jessica had to rewatch it twice. You had to rewatch it twice. I was really close to going up, you know, going back and looking up what happened in the episode. So it's just been a little bit lackluster. Um, do we have any feedback? We actually have quite a bit of feedback from Supergirl. So let's get to it. I should have already opened this. We've got Swara. Uh, Supergirl was so good. My queen Lena has come. This is what I'm talking about. Remorse? Check. Sending up the Lex and his verbal abuse? Check. Apologizing to Kara without preconditions? Check. I'm so happy, and I love Lena so, so much. This is the type of redemption atonement story that I am here for. I really hope it comes to full fruition next episode and that Lena and Kara save the day together. Crying emojis, fist emojis. Um, or power emojis, I don't know what you call them. You know what I'm talking about. It's like salute. Yeah. Fist salute. Yes. Yes. Um, so happy that Nia told off Brainy for his BS. Yes. I love seeing her stand up for herself and her friends. So good. The Leviathan plot was slash is incredibly meh, along with Lex's involvement, but the character development was so good in this episode. Hoping next week's finale continues to build on to this. Woohoo! Then we have got Kaya. Hello, ladies. Kaya here again. How was your week? We finally had a mostly good episode of Supergirl. <laughs> Kelly and Alex had more than three seconds of screen time. Nia was there and part of the plot, and Lena finally saw the light. However, I didn't like Kara much in this episode. 
I know she's angry and she has every right to be, but the way she kept putting Lena and Lex on the same level felt very OOC to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cara Zarel, the paragon of hope, would never talk about a former best friend that way. Um, and the fact that after all that, she needed Lena to build her a suit was pure irony. I'm happy that Lena ended up saving herself and standing up to, seeing her stand up to her abusive brother was very powerful and I'm really proud of her. Agreed. Then finally, Shang. Hey there, lovely ladies. Hey there, lovely Shang. Supergirl. Except for the end, I literally felt no connection to this episode. They were trying to complete three plots at the same time and nothing was addressed meaningfully. Mmm, I feel you. Number two, that moment. That moment. When Lena looked at Lex with fire in her eyes and said, no more. I fucking love her. I fucking love her so much. Lena Luther will always fall into my light, into the light. My wife is back. <laughs> I'm very happy for you, Shang. And number three, I wish we could see Kara be softer in Lena during the apartment scene because I always felt the rift weighed more towards Lena's hurt. Mm-hmm. Even though they both had their rights and wrongs. I get it. Kara was hurting too. As much as I hated how it played out because I'm a Lena Luther lover first, Scylla Rams for an apology. Apologist second and human third. <laughs> I like how you stuck that one in there. Yeah. Um, I understood where the character's standpoint was, but it really lacked quality writing and it made Kara seem unlikable. There was just um, much to be desired in the scene, um, aside from Kara saying sit down. The scene might have brought them together, but it didn't relieve the tension. Agreed. It lacked Kara's reciprocation and culpability, which in turn made the reconciliation fall flat. Ooh. It could come through next week, though. Yeah, so. hopefully it does come through next week. But like I, in the trailer, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll be it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, but yes, I do agree that in that scene, it was like they had just made Kara feel the way that she felt, so that they could be like a tense ending rather than just like a hug. Because of course, it would normally be like, "Yes, come into my arms." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, now we shall move on. To our predictions, if we have any. Well, I don't have, like, my, I feel like my prediction that I've had for a while just doesn't work anymore because I just don't want to reveal, like, who's above, unless that, like, magically comes out in this truncated seasonal finale episode, <laughs> then we're just not going to see who's the head of Leviathan, and right. Lex will just, like, seemingly win. Well, I, I don't know. John Carter said that Lex is defeated in a different way, but it seems like the way that he would have been defeated would have been more definite than the way that he is defeated, quote unquote, this time. Probably, yeah. 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 Wow. I don't know. I don't know if I'll be satisfied, <laughs> to be honest. We do not know. It is hard to know. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have any predictions either, like, just because I don't know how far they would have gone originally, so. Right. As opposed to how far they're going to go now. But yeah, I'm sure this will not be the end of Lex. Although, I don't know, maybe... Will this will Supergirl season finale be better or worse than The Flash? Uh, yeah, that's that's a great... I think it'll be better. <laughs> but... <laughs> to be fair, I think it really sucks that we have to call these things a season finale because it's right. just not. <laughs> yeah. I do not have any predictions. So right. with your blessing, I will move forward with Batwoman. Yeah, I would love for you to do <laughs> Cracking the code. When members of Gotham's intelligence, what? Intelligence? I don't know what the hell that word is. Intelligence. <laughs> intelligence. Oh. Whatever. Gotham's intelligence <laughs> begin disappearing. <laughs> 
Commander Kane, Sophie, and the Crows go searching for the newest homicidal threat to the city. In the meantime, Kate is consumed with someone's betrayal and starts questioning the loyalty of everyone around her. Everyone around her. You mean Kate? Just when she needs them the most. So when Luke and Julia go missing, Batwoman must rely on Mary and a former foe to deploy her rescue mission. Meanwhile, Alice enlists Tommy Elliot to help acquire an elusive item that her sister also seeks. Greg Beeman directed the episode written by Jerry Shandy and Kelly Larson. What sparked joy? Am I starting this time? <laughs> okay. I'm really pleasantly surprised, as I keep repeating, how Hush is turning out. I like that he is, like, as creepy as one would expect Hush to be when he is in full Hush mode. But at the same time, he is, like, the hapless Tommy that we have already met. And it's, like, he's still adjusting to this new form of a life of crime that is not, like, I don't know, trading stocks illegally or whatever the fuck he used to do. So, it's fun. And also the fact that he's, like, so stupid that Alice keeps uh, one-upping him, even when he thinks they're working together, is also excellent. Um, <laughs> I love Parker Torres. I was happy to see her again. I like, um, I also like Mary getting to point out how ridiculous it is that this child knows and was willingly told and Mary was not. But it was also fun watching them kind of like root for Kate and Sophie, figure out um, Kate and Julia and Sophie and Julia. And like, you know, what are the rules? What are the lesbian rules of like the, the yeah, dating rexes. The, I don't even know what you call that. Cis code? I don't know. Bro code for lesbians. What is it? Um, so yeah, that was fun. And I, I, I don't know if this is like sparking joy exactly, but I do think it's really interesting to watch, um, like Mouse and Alice really diverging for once yeah. on like what their goals are, what their, what their desires are. Um, like we see that Mouse really wanted to build a quote unquote home in Arkham, like he really felt like it was a safe space. I don't know how Mouse, but you are crazy. So I guess it makes sense. Um, and then Alice is like literally burning it down because she can't have the home that she still somehow wanted to have with Kate. And so you really get to see, like, how Kate and Alice is such a strong, even when it's, like, really twisted and, like, non-existent, it's still such a strong bond that's always going to be, like, a shadow in the way of Alice and Mouse. Um, so, yeah, very, very interesting. Good times. Um, Name-dropping Sophia again. Yay! Tying Sophia to Julia's Double Cross. I love being half right. Because she does not have Alfred, but otherwise, <laughs> but I'm glad that it seems like we're gonna get that. We're gonna go there, and also we know that Alice knows Sophia, right? And Alice is like, even Alice is afraid of Sophia, or whatever. So I'm looking forward to seeing how all that is going to converge. Sophia, I maybe it's Sophia. They said Sophia. Yeah, I've always called her Sophia, but I guess it's Sophia. I don't know. I can pronounce this name. But yes, what is um, her ethnicity in the comics? Well, she's from a made up country but it's definitely oh. she's meant to be like i think like yeah. middle eastern arabic like okay. you know yeah um, yeah i was gonna say it sounds like that yeah yeah so sophia. i don't know how you pronounce it if it's that yeah how would you pronounce it if it's that so it'd be sophia sophia okay yeah okay. so like a enunciation on the on the a <laughs> <laughs> um and then most importantly not necessarily most importantly but i was most happy with um the whole like there's no bat one without luke fox situation like we're finally really get to see luke get the recognition he deserves kate and luke's friendship actually shine the fact that he really does like he is responsible in large part for what that woman can do and like who kate is right now yeah. and so for her to choose him over the notebook or over herself even when he was like no don't do it <laughs> um, <laughs> was great because you know like 
she can always get the notebook later, right? But she can't, like, get another Luke. Or she can always, like, if she has Luke, then she'll get out of any situation that she's in, right? Like, right. whereas she sacrifices Luke, she'll just die the next day. So, I love That her. woman did what Barry couldn't. <laughs> exactly! Exactly! Trade for your boo. Trade for your loved ones. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Ah. Oh. Okay, anyway. Yeah. Even though Luke is right there saying, don't do it, she was like, bitch, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So... <laughs> I'm going to get you out of here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's my favorite thing. Um, and then, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I really – I I, I too love the, the ending with that, with Luke being all mad. Like, Kate, you don't do that. You don't – I'm not worth – the millions of Gotham citizens and everybody in the world. She's like, mm, mm, shut up. Just come here. <laughs> <laughs> there is no Batwoman without Luke Fox. Um, I thought that was great. And they proved it pretty much this episode with um, <laughs> a couple of, like, really funny moments when Mary and – first it's just Mary and Kate trying to figure out how to do stuff. And Kate's like, yeah, we can track the pacemaker. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. So do it. And she's like <laughs> – <laughs> you know or like when mary's in the back cave and she's trying to like talk through um the comms to kate she's like mary this is kate like or kate this is mary's like oh wait are we supposed to use her name and you know, like those kind of things and then she actually turns off screens and then she can't figure out how to do anything no one knows how to like push the buttons in the back cave except for luke um and then even when parker was there parker you know, she was helpful to an extent in, like, tracking down pacemakers, but she didn't know – she can't work the, the Batcave. Like, she can't fill in for Luke, even if she is, like, a, a little baby genius hacker. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that Luke does that maybe even the audience doesn't really, like, knew, like, the extent or recognize the extent of how much Kate relies on Luke, and you really felt that in this episode – and then it was uh, reaffirmed at the end of the episode where Kate was like, look, you are part of my team. I cannot do this without you. You are you are special. You are kind. You are important. You know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, and I also think, like, it reaffirms Luke's sense of worth to himself uh, when Alice finally did get her way and he they did kidnap him. Um and he had to break his father's code. Like, his father, in Luke's mind, is just, like, so above him and, you know, untouchable on this, like, pedestal up here. How could I ever be like Lucius Fox um, was to Batman kind of thing? And, you know, back at the Batcave, the girls are trying to figure out how in hell are we supposed to, like, save Luke and crack this code? And Mary, like, stumbles upon, like, the glasses with the cipher. And they're like, oh, my God, no one can, you know, decipher this code without the glasses. The glasses are essential. You must have the glasses. Meanwhile, back in Arkham, Luke is like, oh, my God, you know what? This is this and this is this, and this is my social security number. Cool. Da -da 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 -da. And he, like, cracks the code on his own um, with some encouragement from Julia, obviously, um, saying, you know, you can do it, Luke. But I thought that was a really good, even though there was these glasses the whole time, it was really good for Luke to figure out the code by himself. And uh, even though Alice has the book with the secret to killing Batwoman in it, there are still some other journals, as we saw, like, Mary with the glasses, with, you know, other journals with other, like, coded writings that he could still use without the glasses and maybe pro probably get some other clues on how to 
um, about his father, bringing him closer to his father. So I thought that was a really good episode for Luke. Um, other things that I liked, um, I agree, like Mary being rightfully upset <laughs> that Parker not only figured out or was told that Kate was that woman, but was in the Bat Cave as well. Um, Julia, Kate, and Sophie. I thought that was some nice tension throughout, and it kind of builds throughout the story. Because like when we saw the trailer, we only saw the kiss at the end. But I like in the beginning, there's this kind of like another hint at it when you know Julia and Kate are talking, and Sophie kind of like interrupts and you know goes off with Julia, and then you have when Sophie comes to. Wayne Tower, and Kate's, like, pretending like she's doing nothing in the tower, just, oh, look, it's should read right now, and be surprised by Sophie coming in, and how it comes, like, turns into this whole thing about, you know, is it okay if Sophie is vibing with Julia a little bit, and you have, like, Parker and Mary in the background, um, you know, watching it like it's, like, reality television, which was really, really funny, um, I guess I like Parker, I like that Parker, we just saw Parker with a girlfriend, and I like that we saw at the end, like, Parker kind of encourage Kate to fight more for Sophie, because I feel like Kate usually doesn't fight for things in general that mean a lot to her, um, especially when it comes to Sophie, so I thought that was a good thing that I hope comes back up later. Agreed. And I agree with you about Mouse and Alice and how that, it's interesting how that dynamic is changing. Because it feels like, um, like, Mouse and, and Hush were going back and forth a lot and kind of, like, bickering. Um, and it feels a little bit like Alice is shifting towards Hush a little bit because he kind of aligns with her method of chaos. Whereas Mouse, it's, it's like, really funny, like, how this was his wonderland and how he was really getting comfortable being whatever that doctor's name that he was. Like, he's talking, he's he's on first name basis with the nurses and Janet. He's like, oh, so-and-so is making a really good breakthrough today in group. And he's just, like, so, you know, very happy. And then, like, when they burn it all down and they're back in the sewers, he's just like, the ghetto, this is the ghetto. <laughs> Why are we here? <laughs> um. So, yeah, it is really interesting to see how close they started and how, you know, Mouse is still trying to hold on to that and hold on to what, how their their versions of Wonderland are completely different and not the same anymore. So it'll be interesting to see how that relationship continues to diverge and go different directions and what that could mean. Love that. Um, Yeah, I agree about Mouse. Uh, especially because I feel like, like I understood why he liked being in Arkham because there was he had for the first time probably in his entire Three life a sense of control. What was that? Three huts and a cot. <laughs> 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 yeah, 
Yeah, it was like a nice controlled environment. He felt safe. There was some kind of routine. He, like you said, he was getting to know the staff there. He felt like he was home, uh, which is something that his father never really gave him. And, you know, he had Alice there with him. So it was like completely understandable why he was just feeling like he could be there forever and he didn't have to run from the cops or anything like that. Um, So that was a really uh, fascinating moment to see the the development that and how far he's come since the beginning. And Alice's plan like was a good one. You know, she thought that if they had Lucius Fox's uh, journal, they should bring in Luke Fox because that makes sense. (laughs) So it was this whole, you know, exasperated God, I'm the woman I have to come up with all the brilliant ideas in this group type thinking, (laughs) which was really fun. Um, The bickering was just, they make like they have a really fun dynamic i think the three of them and as much as i was worried about like where they were going to take hush and what they were going to do with him i think that his origin story is coming along nicely and it's uh being balanced out it's not just like he shows up he's just starts killing off people or whatever um like there's a deep sense of this is this guy he's kind of a mess (laughs) but here's where he's going and why um julia and sophie so cute i love their moments together i think that like like just said there's this nice tension between them i i loved seeing kate being jealous even though she was trying pretending that she wasn't (laughs) and you know having her sort of realize that after last was it last week or the week before that Sophie's you know she has a new friend slash girlfriend and she's telling her these things that Kate feels maybe you know the need to know these things and it's showcasing their distance and hopefully like we're moving toward their closeness again um, in future episodes so I feel like it's building back up again towards the focus on Sophie and Kate's relationship um I loved Parker's return because I think that she's one of the better characters that has been in season one. And it was really nice to see that she has moved on and actually gotten like a girlfriend and she seems like better adjusted to the world. Um, and the fact that she she has, you know, Batwoman on speed dial basically is really nice. <laughs> um, but I also loved that Mary was pissed off that she knew who Batwoman was and, you know, kept at it the whole episode. She didn't let up. Um and the fact that, like, Julia's secret wasn't kept hidden for longer than an episode. Like, we got that reveal really quick. Um, and it wasn't really dragged out, which I loved. Um, Sophie continuing to defend Batwoman to Jacob because Jacob's an asshole. Oh, of course, Luke. Luke just being the center of attention in this episode. You know, like you guys said, realizing that there's no Luke. There's no Batwoman without Luke. He is the friend, the first real friend that Kate had uh, in the season. And he's, you know, irreplaceable. You can't, you can't get rid of Luke. Um, and the fact that, like, he has been in this sort of insecure space, whereas, like, like you said, you know, we don't know. He thinks that he's not as good as Lucius and Lucius and Batman and blah, 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 blah. But he's also really good at what he does and he's deserving of all the attention and the love that uh, Batman probably gave Lucius 
though we don't know what their relationship really looked like. <laughs> um, so all of that was great. I loved, I just love the continued awkwardness, with, like Luke and anybody who shows up at the Batcave is just like, wait, like you, you were here and you just said that there's no Batwoman without Luke. And I don't understand why this person was here. Um, so all of that was really great. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, wait, what? <laughs> and you people already know who you are. <laughs> yeah, so I loved all that. And I really loved that it just solidified uh, the friendship between Luke and, and Kate. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> what did not spark joy? Mm, well, what did not spark joy? Uh, Jacob, who never sparks joy. But I specifically do not care about this man's random hatred for Batwoman. Because he thinks the vigilantes are stealing his jobs. Um, I don't know why it has to crop up again. I don't feel like it should cause any tension. Because the second, like, all Kate has to do is be like, actually, Dad, it is me. And then Jacob would be like, you're grounded. And then she'd be like, I am 32 or 24, <laughs> however old she is. <laughs> and then he would be like, okay, you are ungrounded. But I'm very mad about this. And that would be the end. So I don't think that there's any reason for it. And it is boring and stupid. Um, aside from that, I know that we are all here for Julian's Sophie's chemistry. I love it, but I'm tired of derailing the Kate and Sophie storyline. I really hope that this instead will make, make Kate fight for Sophie, as um, it was requested that she do by Parker, because I totally like that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We only have, like, one episode, so now we have to wait until 2021 for it to be yeah. fixed. I hate that. <laughs> Um, and then aside from that, um, I do, I feel really bad for Mary, like, that even this random teenager was told that Mary's sister was Batwoman, and Mary was not. So, again, uh, next season needs to be, just like we had this, I mean, it's not like we haven't had episodes that proved how important Mary is, but, like, we just had this Luke is so important, we love Luke episode. We need to have one that's like, Mary is the best, sister! Mary is the greatest! Kate should treat Mary the best! Okay. <laughs> the end. That's all. Yeah. If I was Mary, like Kate voluntarily telling Parker, Brando teen, she's Batwoman, when Mary had to beg Kate to be honest with her, and then Kate casually bringing Parker to the Batcave when Mary had to beg to be on the Bat A team last week, that would be my supervillain origin story. <laughs> like, I, I would have had it up to here. Like, how come this random teenager... You just know you're Batwoman, and I had to beg. You, you You wouldn't even tell me when I was like, you just just say it. Just say the words with me. I am Batwoman. <laughs> you know, like, that's all you had to do. That's all you had to do, Kate. And she couldn't do it. And so, like, this would literally be, like, it for me. It would be, like, super villain origin story. And, like, when Parker, when they were, like, spying on her. full lean on her ass. Oh, my God. <laughs> when they were spying on, like, Kate and Sophie, and, um, like, Mary was telling her that, Sophie is Kate's ex, and Julia is Kate's other ex, and Parker told her to move. Like, the eldest child in me was like, oh, you don't, I'm going to, like, hurt you so much, you annoying teenager. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel Mary's pain, like, throughout the episode of, like, Parker just, like, taking over all the space in the Batcave. <laughs> um, yeah. Jacob continued vendetta against Batwoman for no apparent reason. It's just, it comes up just out of convenience, and if he did not have this, he wouldn't be in the episode, and you know, we already know next week that he's gonna, like, come through on 
arresting Batwoman when he could be focusing on the actual villains in the city. Um, he's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's this weird, it's like fighting against someone, like saying that someone's your rival and then they don't even know who you are. Like, that's what it feels like, Batwoman and, and Jacob. Like, Jacob is fighting against Batwoman, and Batwoman's like, who are you? You know? That's, you know, because they're just, like, on different levels. There's, and Jacob's just, like, obsessed for no reason. Um, also, I feel, and this actually goes back to Supergirl as well. Supergirl and Batwoman kind of were similar. And this, to me, and, and it made me kind of a little bit uneasy, the Arkham fight, like, when... Um, Alice releases all the prisoners, and there's this, like, big melee in Arkham, and it's the same, like, uh, in Supergirl, when the one guy, the chain reaction, and it's just a big, like, melee of, of fighting in the jail, and I get that they need, like, this big fight sequence, but also, thinking about these people, Arkham is, like, a mental institution, and so these people are supposedly, they're criminals, but they're also supposedly mentally ill, so um, using that as a fight and then also having Kate have to fight mentally ill people was not, I don't know, it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And the same with, like, Supergirl, like, these people are prisoners. They've also been experimented on, and then they are, you know, they're they, – it goes to where they're fighting each other, so it was a little bit on the, like, ethically line, you know, it's a little crossing over it a little bit. Um, I mean, it looks cool to see a fight, but, I mean, it would have been much more straight up if they were just, like, actual prisoners with no home training and they wanted to fight, like, a, like a, just a genuine prison fight. But the mental illness aspect on top of that makes it a little bit uneasy. Um and then I think uh, just the lack of Sophie overall. Thinking about this storyline, I don't even, like, obviously, I don't want her to trade with Julia in this storyline because Julia got electrocuted for most of it. So <laughs> Julia can keep that. <laughs> but, and I don't really know how, like, I can't really even say how I would have put her into the storyline, but it does feel like this is like the second week in a row where Sophie has been on, like, the outskirts of something, where Julia was in the middle of it. Um, so, yeah, I don't I, uh, hmm. I don't really know what to do with that, but I just don't like it, <laughs> is all I can say. <laughs> yeah, it just says, like, their priorities aren't characters who are already on the show from beginning it's like oh look at this cool guest star that everyone loves let's bring her in and give her a story so it's frustrating um are you done my dear i am okay um yeah i cannot stand jacob at this point i forget that he is kate's dad i don't understand why he's around and it makes me really annoyed, like, whenever he pops up, he just decides that he just hates Batwoman, which is really frustrating because in the comics, they work together, and I don't know why they the show wants so badly to make enemies with them, you know? Like, he wants to be Batwoman's enemy. He's threatening her. It's like, Jacob, sir, there are more important things happening in, in Gotham City. 
Right. Like, like you, anything to him. And it's it's weird too because I know that they're a you know an elite security firm or whatever, probably for like the rich people, but they're not even like Gotham cops. Which you know, if they're gonna be pissed off at Batwoman, there's gonna be some tension there. That maybe would be un- understandable. But he's not even a cop. Right. <laughs> like, so why are you so angry about this vigilante running around Gotham City when you could be more concerned with the fact that one of your guys right. was part of the murder of Lucius Fox and maybe try investigating what's going on, revamping Clean your security. Clean your yeah. own <laughs> It's just, yeah, it's really dumb and I hate it. Um, and then I don't really understand the whole journal thing. Like, we got to the end, it's like, oh, the secret to killing Batman or Batwoman is kryptonite? I'm like, am I watching the right show? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's more to it than that, but it just felt underwhelming considering, like, there's a whole book about how to kill Batman, and I'm just like, you could just shoot him in the face, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so it's just a whole book about how to kill Batwoman. Um, so that... Is underwhelming. Alice's plans, I don't, like, I understand why she wants to kill Batwoman now, but at the same time, she's flip-flopped so much throughout the season that I'm not convinced that she will actually do it when the time comes anyway, so it just feels like this storyline might not be going anywhere, and I still don't know what the whole Tea Party thing was about, like, was it them deciding to blow up the city? I don't I don't know, because we started off with her kidnapping Sophie. I it was, like, Catherine Hamilton's death. That that seems to be, like, what it was. They drunk something, so that I guess that was tea. <laughs> there you go. True tea. True tea, because Catherine spilled her guts before she died. So that was it. That was this party. I'm <laughs> yeah. calling it. So I don't know, I don't know where that's going. And, you know, like you said, Jessica, it's no Sophie. I don't hate it. I don't like it. Um, and it seems like I know that the writers will say, oh, but her storyline this whole season has been her coming to terms with her, you know, being a lesbian and coming out and being open about being in a relationship with another woman publicly. And that's great. But, like, we could also see more of that. And we can also – she could also be doing other things. It doesn't have to be just that, unless especially when there's so much going on. What was, was that? I was saying, unless it's a damn crow's uniform. I loved it when she was suspended so she could wear, like, normal people clothes. But now she's in the crows again, and now Julia's in the crows again, so Julia's also stuck in that ugly-ass uniform. Yeah. It's a It's is running the crows, because all their uniforms are ugly. Yes, 100%. <laughs> but do we have any feedback? We have, uh, I believe, Shang said things about Batwoman. Here it is. <laughs> One, glue a few brain cells together and think on it. Hushes me at the Supergirl writers. <laughs> Two, Hush was such a mood as Alice kept killing the people he brought in. Sis, it's a hard cipher, not ABC. I really like their dynamic, though. I wonder if Alice is going to be in more trouble with the hands of death and have to work with Kate next season. Ooh, that's a good prediction, actually. I like it, and I'm going to steal it for my prediction. Um... Although, you know what? It was already percolating in my brain. I just hadn't fully formed it the way that you had. But it's still the same. We both thought of it. Um, I really like this setup for the season two Big Dad. And number three, in a post-crisis world, Kryptonite is still around, huh? Mini crossover with Supergirl or Burst? I wonder how they're going to add it to the story. Because why would the Bat suit be weak to Kryptonite? 
It is canon in the comics that Batman has kept items that are weaknesses of the other Justice League members. But won't he want to be protected from kryptonite also? The rock itself isn't that sharp or hard um, to make it a super weapon like, like vibranium. The only way of damage is exposed radiation, but why wouldn't Batman protect his suit from said radiation if he ever needed to use kryptonite against Call? Many questions. I yeah. do not know the answer. That, <laughs> those are great questions. Yes. So um, I was thinking that maybe she needed kryptonite to like put into something else that would kill that mm-hmm. man. But then again, you know, like Shang said, does it need it? Like, can't he just like protect himself against kryptonite? It's not like he's not. Batman is human. (laughs) Much to think about. And that's all we got on feedback. Oh, do we have any predictions then? My prediction, my Julia Sophie prediction, even with like Parker telling Kate to fight for Sophie, I think that it's like Julia Sophie is probably going to end because Julia is like a rolling stone. And wherever she lays her hat is her home. (laughs) (laughs) And Julia will just, like, straight up leave Sophie and disappear somewhere. And then Kate will swoop in afterwards. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel like that's going to go down. I hope she has the gumption to do so. Right. I'll be a lady with gumption, Kate. I hope Kate (laughs) gets tired of Joseph's ass, Jacob's ass next week and just, like, lifts off her her cow and like look bitch like I'm your daughter (laughs) stop doing this little dance you know so I will see you at home (laughs) 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 all right who do we nominate as our lady with gumption of side a I want to nominate Luke but he's not a lady (laughs) right (laughs) um Lena Lena, yeah Lena for Lex and and being the error of her ways. And that's it. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. Hang on. <laughs> All right. Moving on over to side B, where we have Flash and Legends, unexpected endings slash side effects. Yeah, I couldn't figure yeah. out a name for for the Flash. I, I I watched it once and didn't want to watch it again. So that's that's what you get. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Barry considers a risky plan to save Iris from the Mirrorverse, which he does not take. Ralph attempts to stop Sue from making a grave mistake that could destroy her life. Phil Chapera directed the episode written by Kelly Wheeler and Lauren Barnett. What sparked joy? Um, I feel like my spark joy section is going to be like a little bit sporadic because, again, like I only watched it once. And when I watch it, I like live tweets. So I don't have any notes of what actually went on in the episode. Um. But I did like. I felt myself like on the pen on the what guess the pendulum or like the line of Eva is evil. We hate her. To Eva, go girl. Yes, queen. Like I felt myself sliding towards the yes queen part <laughs> as the episode went on, especially when um, she kidnapped Sunshine, Doctor Light, and Ultraviolet. All light-based villains, by the way, which I think is interesting. Like, Joseph Carver clearly has a type of villain that he likes to protect him. (laughs) (laughs) And it is light-based. But I like that she kidnapped them and then got them to turn voluntarily. Like, I don't even think that they're mirror clones that came out afterwards. This is, like, literally the three girls that she took. She had a talk, like, a powwow with them about how 
her husband was the worst, and they're like, yeah, I agree. And they, like, voluntarily switched sides to get revenge on Carver. Like, Loki, it felt like a birds of prey taking on black black mask type situation. Like, all these girls were just fed up with this man controlling their lives, and so they're like, you know, we're going to get some payback. Um, I, there are a lot of haters <laughs> about the way that the fight sequence was shot, but I like the Kill Bill <laughs> directorial um, direction. And I think um, in one of the interviews, Eric was saying that, you know, they, the big fight sequence was originally, like, 12 minutes long. And so one of the director's uh, ideas was to use that kind of split-screen thing so you could see multiple sides of the fight at the same time and everything that's going on. I like the red. Um, red gives you, like, you know, the color, psychology, like, adrenaline and fight and aggression and all that kind of stuff. So you have, like, the red background, and you have, like, the split screen, so you see different sides of different parts of the fight. I loved, you know, Eva's Charlie's Angels teaming up, and they had, like, great teamwork in the fight, and I just felt very empowered, like, watching these three women. Um, And then you have Eva um, going after Carver, and at one point I was like, I swear to God, if she gets in here... And she falters because she's somehow still in love with Carver. Or if Barry, like, blocks one more piece of glass from entering this man, he does not <laughs> die. <laughs> I will be so mad. So I did like that she followed through on what she thought that she wanted, which was killing Carver, and that he is dead. Because he was just, like, a dick the whole episode. Even when he is, his life is on the line, and these people are trying to help him, like, Team Flash is trying to help him, he's still, like, the biggest asshole. And so, like, that, the girls liberating themselves from Carver felt just so satisfying. Um, I like their dynamic just as a trio. Um, not so much Sunshine, because she, I think she disappeared first, so you didn't really see much of her dynamic with them. But, like, Kimio would talk in Japanese, and then Esperanza would just reply in Spanish, and they'd be, like, totally, like, normal. Like, I understand what you're saying, you understand what I'm saying. Um, it was just, you know, like, a really nice interaction between them. Um, I liked... Well, I, love, I love, always love Iris when I see her on screen. We only got, like, two scenes of her, but, like, the, the cliffhanger ending scene of her going all light galaxy brain, like literally galaxy brain iris and then disappearing was really um, shocking cliffhanger to an otherwise kind of frustrating episode. Um, What else? Barry, you know, arguing with Nash about, and Carver about, you know, this is my wife that we're talking about. It's about my wife and I'm going to save her. I have to save her. And what do you mean? I wouldn't trade someone else's life. Like, this is it for me. Like, I have to do this. Like, she is my wife. So I, I like the Barry's determination uh, to Nash about him doing everything that he needs to do because it's the love of his life. And just because you didn't want to save Allegra in that one timeline from, like, falling to her death does not mean <laughs> <laughs> that I will be the same way. Or, like, Carver, like, just because you didn't want to keep, you didn't care about your wife enough to try and save her from the mirror world, do not talk and compare yourself to Barry, where is my wife, Alan? Sorry. No. Um, so that was cool. I'm going to pick on it, so I might as well do the compliment sandwich thing again and find something I like about it. But I guess um, Carla and 
frost bonding. <laughs> that was like pulling teeth. You're like, I. I mean, yeah. I mean, if I, I if I liked <laughs> if I liked them, then yeah, that I would say that that would be, you know, nice to see. But you know, I'm. I'll talk about it later. <laughs> I was surprised to see her. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's anything else that I could really harp on. Maybe I'll come back to it if something else sparks my memory. So, Tati, if you want to go. I didn't even take any notes on it because, for the most part, I just hated this episode. And I'm probably being, like, somewhat unfair on it. And it's, like, not as bad as I feel like it was. But I feel like it was really bad. Yeah. So, Sparks, enjoy those we're talking about. And I totally agree that um, getting to see the mirror minions um, be convinced. Well, not getting to see them be convinced by Eva. But knowing that they were convinced by Eva to take back the night and regain their freedom from Joseph Carver and go all out, like you said, kill Bill on him was excellent. That sequence was definitely my favorite part of the episode. And I also really liked the way it was shot. I liked the comic book like panels aspect of it. I liked the color of it. I liked that they're all light based because I'm like, oh, reflective surfaces and mirrors and whatever. You know, like, sure. Why not? I feel like it's a theme. Um, <laughs> and it was so stupid. Like, how the fuck? Why the fuck would you put a meat spot in a house full of fucking mirrors? Ah, uh, well, you know, many questions. He just gets a little way too cocky. He's definitely the epitome of, like, way too cocky. Yes. So, anyway, um, I love that Eva killed him. I was definitely like, yes, Eva should get to kill Carver. Yes, the other three girls should get to join. I don't know why Barry would suggest otherwise. So I was yes. really, really happy um, and a little surprised when Eva managed to do it and not be stopped by Barry. Um, and I like that she, you know, then comes out and is like, oh, hey, I'm back, you guys. It's been such an ordeal. My husband is dead. Please help me find his killer. And now I'm going to, you know, do exactly what he wanted with his company. Um, but obviously she's just doing what she wanted now. Um, so you know what? Support for you, Eva. I totally support you in this endeavor. Um, and now she thinks that she, like, she wants to save the world, supposedly. I don't, I don't know what the hell that looks like because we still don't know what her plan originally was in the first place. But it, it will be interesting to see a villain who also, like, you know, it's always nice to have a villain who absolutely thinks that they're right. And to believe, like, and does not think they're evil in any way. And we even see a little bit of that because of the way that she can, like, once she's out of the mirror and she's able to do it, she did convince the three girls to work with her. She didn't have to force them. She didn't have to put them in little mirror, pe- mirror pod people or whatever. So maybe, you know, if she'd been working against her husband in the past and not been trapped in a mirrorverse, she wouldn't have had to kidnap Iris and um <laughs> and Camilla and and Sing and might have actually just had a conversation with Barry and with Iris about getting help with her husband, you know? So so it's possible. We get to see like a little glimpse of what she might have been. But at the same time, when you've got that little like scratching or whatever during the press conference, you know that she isn't she isn't who she once was or whatever, so the mirror will still be affecting her and therefore make it hard for her to accomplish whatever goal she previously had in mind. So yeah, all of that was good. I do think that Eva is a good villain. Like, she's a complex character. Um, she has interesting motivations, if only we had explored them. Uh, she's very well acted. Um, so yeah, I look forward to the next three episodes in a year, um, showing us more of what her plan is and seeing more of her as an actual villain in the face of Barry and hopefully Iris. 
aside from that, I did like the three seconds we got of Iris. I like that we see more of how the mirror is affecting her, and interestingly enough, how it's not affecting Camilla, because it seems like Camilla's just chilling, right? She's just like, well, whatever, I'm just going to sit here. And meanwhile, Iris is like, no, I'm going to explore, and I'm going to find things, and I'm going to do this. And the mirror is like, I don't like it when you do things. Now I'm going to affect you. Whereas before, when Iris was just chilling, because she just believed Eva that there was only one room and you couldn't possibly leave it, even though Eva kept leaving it, um, she wasn't, there was no neural dissonance to speak of. It was just like, here I am, also still in this mirror, while Eva was like, glitch, glitch. And now Eva's left, and now it's Iris who's glitching. So it's like, there always has to be a glitching mother of the mirror. Um, and now it's Iris, which is uh, very interesting, and we'll see where that takes us. Um, and so, yeah, so I thought it was a good cliffhanger to know, or to not know where she went off to or what happened to her, and then, you know, now we get to wait a year to find out. But at least that was an interesting cliffhanger. Aside from that, I did like Ralph and Sue a lot. I think that they have been developed um, very nicely over the course of the season. While I don't like how Ralph just goes away for six episodes and then comes back to continue the one case he has had all year, um, and now we don't even know if he got paid for that case. So I'm like, did you make any money in this fiscal year, Ralph? I am afraid that you did not get that check from Sue's parents. But anyway, I really like their chemistry. It turns out that they've known each other for like a decade. I didn't know this. Um, the actors have known each other for like a decade. So they've been uh. friends for a really long time. And I'm like, well, that makes sense because they have a really nice, easy chemistry that I would not expect them to have. And they have it because they know each other. So good job knowing each other. Um, and I, I also like the twist of like, oh no, um, she's going to take her parents' place in Black Hole. And that's actually what's going on. And then, oh no, just when Ralph has convinced her not to kill Carver, everyone will think she killed Carver anyway because Eva is framing her. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's about her. Huh? How does Eva even know about her? She's just been watching in that mirror, I guess. I she just turned her. on the channel. Turned on the channel to, to, to Carver TV. She's like, she was like a super stalker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Or maybe she was just like a uh, random name of a hat of the black hole employees. This is the most recent one. <laughs> I'll use her. And it just so happened <laughs> that that's the best one to use. We don't know. Um, so, yeah, that's an interest to me as well. And I also did like, I liked Frost's conversation with Carla. I thought it was sweet that Carla was trying so hard with her and that Carla was like, you know, hey, you protected my daughter, right? Like, you are the personality that she invented to get whatever, you know, psychology, except not at all, because we didn't decide to go that way. But let's pretend like it is for this conversation. So, um, yeah, I really like that. Oh, again, I guess it's nice that Joe was back again. Yeah. We're judging how hard he came in. He was like... I will also be helping. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I think that's all. Yeah, I mean, like, looking back, it, there was several things that I liked. Um, but to get it out of the way, I do think the whole Frost having issues with Carla versus Caitlin having issues with her mom from last season, this season is better. Like, those issues make more sense. <laughs> Um, and that's all I will say. <laughs> I really liked, I mean, most of this will go into my did not spark joy, but I really did like Barry's like first confrontation with Carver because I think he got straight to the point. He's just like, okay, I'm not going to mince words. I'm here for one reason. <laughs> um, um, like he raised, it raised the stakes when he revealed that he already knew that Iris, um, 
or sorry, raised the stakes when Carver revealed that like I, he knew Iris had already been taken. It's like, <gasps> gasp. Um, and it made like the whole trade moment with Singh even better if it, they had actually gone through with it. Like the elements were there. Um, and yeah, so it was like interesting for the two seconds that it lasted. I also loved the fight scene. I think the split screen was helpful in the fact that there was so much going on and there were like people all over the atrium and running out of buildings and also fighting happening so it really helped to keep the focus on what was really going on versus like the chaos so it made uh, it all more intense and raised the stakes and Eva popping out of that mirror <laughs> freaked me out I was like what the hell is this <laughs> uh, she's just like honey I'm home and I was like really really creepy um so confident like there's no reflective surfaces in here big ass <laughs> yeah it was super dumb on his part <laughs> but uh like you ladies said i also enjoyed the fact that you know eva got her revenge and it wasn't like her killing carver wasn't thwarted till like the season finale where she tried and then they convinced her not to or whatever she oh, actually wow. got through with it you know she went through with it in episode 19 which is miraculous um and i thought like her whole anger vendetta slash mirror mistress mistress uh costume was really well done she she came out she was like i'm gonna get down to business these are my minions and i also like at first when they came back out um the metahumans i was like oh are are they mirror copies of the former versions of themselves and it was really cool that even though we didn't really see the conversation they felt trapped by carver and so they too were freed by eva and joining in her vendetta because carver is clearly a terrible man and a trash human and needs to be dispatched <laughs> um joe coming back uh just for like that one second i you know, he wasn't gone for so long that we've really like, oh, I miss Joe. Um, but him coming back was like a great moment because it really felt like, oh, yes, we're going to get down to business now. We're going to go save people from the Mirrorverse. We're going to get Eva, whatever. Um, the two scenes of Iris, obviously, like Iris being able to control the Mirrorverse and then disappearing was a great cliffhanger. And it really, I think people will just continue theorizing about this for like months, uh, which is great. And I feel like as much Lord, as, well, yeah. <laughs> as much as you know, it sucks that she didn't get to do much in this particular episode. I do feel like it's been building in the last few episodes towards something, and the fact that she might be a temporary mirror mistress is, would be really cool um, because I feel like it's building towards like some kind of confrontation between her and Eva where she would have to use like a mirror powers to defeat each other um, so hopefully that will happen and obviously Barry still being adamant about like wanting to save his wife needing to save his wife um, and the reveal that Carver was in Eva's office when the particle accelerator exploded um, it came too late but you know it was like oh this is why she's also angry because he knew from the very beginning that she was in there and didn't bother with all this tech left me inside. Um, so yeah, Ralph and Sue, obviously I think that her developing over the course of the season and now her suddenly 
having to join Black Hole, but then in the same episode being betrayed by Black Hole and, and now being a murderer <laughs> on the run kind of keeps her story going in that, like, they don't have to keep her around all the time. Um, and it's really clever. So what did not spark joy? Barry offering to protect Carver from Eva when Carver warned try to kill Arvin. My can't talk. Back up. Barry offering to protect Carver from Eva when Carver, one, tried to kill Iris, two, tried to kill Joe, and three, has learned recently that Carver did absolutely nothing when, like, he, he had the video that Iris got pulled into the mirror, did nothing about it, and he's just, like, an absolutely entitled trash of a human being, and so Barry, like, offering to protect him um, just kind of like rubbed me the wrong way. Like it felt like he was on the wrong side to be on. And then later, like Winston showed up at the CCPD to take Carver off Barry's hands. And like they, like because they had already met earlier, Barry knows that Singh is like a mere clone. And, and Singh is like, you know, Eva's not trying to be on against the Flash. You know, he comes to the CCPD, just give me Carver and we'll be good. And then Nash is just his nosy ass decides to like blow up the deal before Barry could even consider it. And it's just like, you just took away the only leverage team flash had at getting Iris out of the mirror. Like who cares? First of all, if Carver goes like, I don't, I I trade him in a second. Like, come on. Um, But the fact that Carver was what even wanted, Barry has something even once, Eva has something Barry wants, Iris, even if you just pretend, yes, I will give you Carver if you get my wife out this mirror, that would have been leverage. That's the leverage that he had, and then Nash just kind of, like, destroyed it by, yeah. like, sending them to Star Labs and not even, like, considering it. So, obviously, and then that just automatically puts Team Flash on the opposite side of Eva when it didn't have to be that way. So now Barry has to protect this piece of trash, and then he also just can't get his wife back. So that, it was just, like, really dumb on Nash's plot part and then I was also like annoyed that when they did get back to Star Labs like now he's hallucinating again like I thought we like cleared this up in the whole exorcism of Nash plot like why is he still hallucinating on season one EOLs but like EOLs is like the Barry I knew would never trade Carver like fuck you have been gone since season one like you know nothing sir you know absolutely nothing um it, that was just really stupid too because Barry clearly would do anything to save Iris. We've seen that in season three. We've seen that multiple times that he would do anything. I don't care about anyone except Iris. And so, like, Nash trying to use, like, the old Barry would have never da-da-da-da. How would Iris feel? Like, the whole, like, what would Iris do or how would Iris feel in trying to use that against Barry, I thought was just weak. Because, Nash, you don't even know Iris anyway. Like, you just got here, sir. Like, step back, please. Um... So I felt like that was annoying. Um, and then, like, the whole rest of the episode, Barry just had to be on the losing side of a battle. Like, when he stepped in between Eva and Carver, I'm like, this is just, this is not your place. And he didn't even use, like, at no point in this episode, I feel like that was something that annoyed me, too, because at no point in this episode did, he, did it even cross his mind to ask Eva to bring Iris back, even after she killed Carver. And he's like, okay, we're done. If we're done, like you say, if you've, like, achieved your objective or whatever, why can't I have my wife back? Like, you have time to do a post-press conference gloat 
about how you are back in business and your poor husband died and was killed or whatever and Iris is still stuck in his mirror? Why, why is that? Why is, you know, if you won and you've got your objective, why is she still in the mirror? A lot of that kind of, like, annoyed me. And the fact that we didn't even go back to the mirrorverse to see what Iris is doing. For like, she only had two scenes, and one was like 30 seconds long. Um, so I, I feel like they weren't in that whole mirror. Like that whole time that Barry was fighting on the outside, that one scene of like trying to figure out where Sing is did not take up the entire space with, you know, in the mirrorverse. So I feel like there should have been more there. Um, but instead, we get multiple scenes of a character who is supposed to have been leading three weeks ago. <laughs> like, why? Instead of, like, going back to the mirrorverse and seeing where Iris is going and her and Camilla going to find scene, we have to go back to the Frost storyline just so they could force Barry in there so he could say, like, goodbye or, you know, have his hope pep talk from Caitlin instead of, like, anybody else. And, like, the beginning of the episode, like, half the team is, like, helping her pack because Frost with the coal is, like, just as important as Iris. He's been lost in the mirrorverse for, like, months, so, like, quite possibly losing her mind. Like, are y'all insane? Like, the fact that it's, it's just, like, so much story for what? <laughs> like, why has she been leaving for three weeks? Like, that doesn't really make any sense. Like, I guess Danielle had, like, a minimum in her contract, and so they had to just, like, stretch out a one-episode story for the last three weeks, but it just really doesn't make sense that it's taking her so long to leave, and then, I, you know, is she going to be gone for just a couple episodes and then come back? And Because it's supposed to be setting up for her maternity leave, but now that the coronavirus has overlapped that, what are they going to do in season seven? Like, I feel like if she's leaving for three weeks, she should also be gone for a significant amount of time. Otherwise, it's just like you spent all this wasted effort on a story where she's maybe gone, like, an episode or two. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. And that kind of, like, puts a, a damp dampener on anything that was nice about it, you know? So you have, like, Frost and Carla that they're bonding or whatever. But just the whole fact that she's supposed to be gone weeks ago. And then the final scene, Barry has to go talk about how his watch is red because he can't concentrate because Iris is gone and talk to, to Caitlin about it and do this whole, like, long-ass goodbye scene when I could have been in the mirrorverse with Iris and figure out what she's actually doing was just very, very frustrating for me. And the fact that that is the last episode that we're going to get of that and the episode 20 was supposed to be a full-ass Iris episode and we're not going to get that until January now is a really frustrating way to end the season. The end. I am also frustrated with that as a way to end the season. And I cannot believe that the final episode, quote-unquote, of this season had two Iris scenes in it. Um, especially when they filmed supposedly 90% of the 20, and there's no reason why they couldn't have stuck some of that in this episode, instead of part three of Caitlin is leaving. And we do not know why or how long. Or why it is so relevant. In fact, it was so, so offensive when they were, like, helping Caitlyn pack. And she was like, y'all should go find Iris. And they're like, this is important, too. Is it? 
Is it important to help Caitlin pack for a week-long vacation with her mother? Just as important as finding Iris who is trapped in a fucking mirror? No. No, it is not. And I cannot believe that anyone would ever suggest that. Yeah. Um, so we hate that. Um, I also, <laughs> uh, with the Caitlyn storyline, because we're just there, um, the heart-to-heart or whatever with Barry was, like, fine, I guess. But the face they were, like, having her make, like, I have so many questions. For three episodes <laughs> now, it has really seemed, like, first, Caitlyn, <laughs> I mean, Frost was, like, terrified of going to visit her mom, right? Like, my mom's going to murder me. And then turns out mom's not going to murder you. She's like, hey, what's up? Best friend. And now Caitlin is still making that face when she's leaving. Like, she's leaving forever. And like, just hasn't told them. I'm like, are you leaving? Can you just tell me yeah. if you're leaving? Yeah. Because they're making a huge deal of it. And I've, like, never seen Danielle act as much as she is acting in these scenes. Like, it is the <laughs> end. She's like, you better be gone for, like, six episodes, the first yeah. six episodes of season seven. Otherwise, like, what is the point, honestly? <laughs> because, and, and we know it's, and we know she's not gone, because Eric already spoiled that. So, great, I guess. Um, and it makes us so mad, because we've really spent three episodes saying goodbye to Caitlin, when she's not even going to be gone now. And meanwhile, every time Cisco leaves. Yes. Then, every time Cisco leaves. It's like bye. Okay, see you later. He's left like Ralph Ralph leaves, and it's just like, oh yeah, he's going to visit so and so, and it's like this like one handed off off comment thing, and he's just gone for like six episodes, and no one cares. Yeah, so I'm like, we get it. You love Caitlyn, we understand, but can you try to love your other characters just a little bit more? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, and like we've already said, like all of these goodbyes to Caitlyn, this whole storyline could have been one episode. Could have been like one Caitlyn episode. But instead, yes. they're like, no, Danielle needs the money. We must <laughs> split it up into three different episodes. So, whatever. Um, we hate to see it. Okay. So, with Iris, it's just, yeah, it really felt like the, this, this lack of urgency for getting Iris back. Like, yes, Barry at first was like, no, I, my wife, where's my wife? I must save my wife. But then he was somehow convinced by this whole stupid ass, Iris would be really upset. If you traded Carver for her, no, I'm pretty wouldn't. sure Iris would not be that upset. I'm pretty sure no. Iris would be okay with it. Um, <laughs> and and he was convinced by this, and so then he's protecting this fucking man for no reason. And like also like if you're gonna protect him, it's not like Carver promised that he would help you get Iris out if you protected nope. him. That'd be one thing. But like instead, not only is he like protecting him, he didn't like call the other cops who are not seeing immediately. Like, call the fucking FBI and be like, hey, listen, I need you to take this guy in. Um, but no, it was like, I will protect you, my new best friend. For free. Yeah, for, for free. free. For free. Just doing all this public service. I will jump in front of shards for you because it is just super important to me to keep you alive for reasons. So you can continue your Destroy the World program, I guess. Um, so yeah. And Again, because this is the final episode of the season, quote-unquote, and we still don't know. I don't know what Carver was going to do. I don't know what Eva wanted originally to do, that Carver then changed to do something else. Do y'all know? Because I don't know. I don't know what we're fighting for or against. Bueller? Thoughts? (laughs) No? Okay. Because I'm so, like, what are we even doing here? Literally, the only object they should have is getting Iris out of a mirror, because they don't know anything else. They have no other knowledge of any other things. Um, and also, like, if you think that Iris is fine, like, either you believe Carver, 
right? That there's no iris left, in which case you should just not function. You should not be functioning right now. Or you don't believe him, in which case there's no problem if he goes to the mirrorverse. Send him for a vacation and get iris back and then get him back later. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It was very, very annoying, and I hated to uh, watch it. Nash, super annoying. Nash does not know Iris. Nash does not know Barry. Why is there still an Eobard in Nash's brain? Um, and why did the show seem to think that he was right? Like, it wasn't like they, like, I feel like, yes, Eobard, that's Eobard, and it's manipulating yeah. Nash to manipulate Barry. But that manipulation should not have worked, and also the episode did not have any like indication. Like area error. Yeah. It's like, I already fixed this problem. Like, why are you bringing it back for plot? Yes. And it, there's no indication in the episode that it was, you know, wrong of Barry to protect Carver. So, I don't know. I guess, are we supposed to believe that he's supposed to protect Carver? Cause I guess it's, unless you count Allegra, because she's like, that man deserves whatever he gets. And you're like, yes, thank you. Thank you, Allegra. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess that's right. Allegra was the voice of reason. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm like, I don't even know what else, because the episode is just so blah that I just don't have any thoughts about it. Other than, I just cannot believe, like, at the end of the day, the um, blood work storyline was more interesting and better, like, in terms of the execution, was better executed than the Mirror Master storyline. When it had so much potential, Eva has so much potential, Iris thinks the Mirror has so much potential, there's so much potential here, and nothing has happened. I'm so upset. Okay, that's all. Excellent point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm mostly in agreement. Um... The trade obviously should have happened, and I think it would have created, like, more tension. Like, even if you were going to fake trade him yeah. and decide at the yeah. end of the day, you're going to, like, no, I got what I wanted. And It should have been, like, it should have been an option. It definitely should not, it yeah. should have been an option on the table. Yeah, and I hate that, you know, like you said, Nash took that choice away from him. So, whatever, that guilt trip was trash. Nash seeing Harry is trash or EO Wells or whatever the hell he's seeing was garbage because like you said, you know, we thought we'd gotten rid of this whole storyline because it was settled. Um, but then we know the next episode was supposed to be called uh, something about Wells too. So I don't know what's going on there. All's Wells and in Wells or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. So it's just frustrating because this is, <laughs> I know we said this for multiple Wells before, but this is Nash is up there with just the, Garbage wells. <laughs> um, and it's like with, with Carver, you know, he did need to pay for what he did because he's still a terrible human being. He's still doing illegal shit. He's still selling and using weapons. He's clearly holding metahumans hostage and making them do their do his bidding. We don't know what he's holding against them or over them, you know? Um, so, like, why are you going to so much effort to protect this man who also tried to kill your wife and and father-in-law and then have him walk free? Like, you were in his warehouse with all of this evidence. Take the evidence <laughs> and do something with it. Yeah, Bury your heart Yeah. Did you not, like, did you not get, like, one, like, sheet of paper that proves yeah. he was crap before it the whole makes, thing It makes no sense because, like, I was really on board with the whole, oh, look, we have a white guy in a suit who's doing trashy things. I'm like, yes, finally, some kind of storyline with that. But we didn't really get anywhere with it, especially, and it's frustrating because even just, what, three episodes ago, he was, he sent Joe into witness protection. (laughs) 
And then he reveals that he knew that Iris was going to – went into the mirror and didn't do anything. So I don't understand why the whole, oh, the Flash doesn't let people kill others. It's just like, ugh, whatever. It's their marital issues. I don't see why you should be in the middle of all this. <laughs> um, not that, you know, even if you wanted to protect, like, Carver from actually dying, you could have shoved him in a, in a meta cell and then just left him there for a while. Um, so whatever. Allegra also treating her cousin like trash was just weird to me because it seemed like she had obviously been through a lot and they were showing like little bit flashbacks and stuff to her time, um, in prison or wherever she was. So we don't know what's been happening to her. And I just feel like this whole mentality that these women are suddenly the villains when they have clearly been working for Carver under duress and we don't really know what it is and why they've been working with him um, to have them flip so quickly as soon as somebody liberated them. I feel like needed more needed to be fleshed out more because this show has had a history of kind of treating meta humans besides the ones on team flash, you know, bad, badly. <laughs> so it would be interesting to see how, you know, especially since like we have seal being a meta human lawyer, why not get into a storyline about like meta human rights in this instance? Because that would have been interesting. Um, so yeah, all of that would just could have just been done way better than it was. And obviously, like the Caitlin stuff just dragged down the episode primarily because it didn't really fit with everything else that was going on. And like you ladies already mentioned, you know, the whole idea of first of all, they keep coddling her. They've coddled her for three episodes. It's like I'm gonna hold your hand as I walk out the door. People go on vacations for three weeks all the time. Like, we know you're coming back. <laughs> you're not going to, you know, your death sentence. I don't understand what this was. Um, and it's just really frustrating, too, because they constantly hold up Caitlyn's storylines as if it's, like, super important when they usually aren't to the main narrative. And she gets this time to talk about her feelings and have have people pass for her and it's ridiculous it's ridiculous um and it's just like a waste because like tati said her facial expression is like oh this lady is like i honestly if i didn't know she was coming back i would be like oh i guess she's gonna be gone for either a long period of time or she's just actually leaving the show and she'll have an episode where she's like you know what me and my mom get along great we're just gonna build our relationship i'm gonna go live with her and work (laughs) in her lab you know, because that's what it seemed like. That's how they played it as. I mean, yeah, that would be fine. <laughs> but the way that they played it, it was just like, a, it was unnecessary and so extra. Yeah. I feel like that's anyway. the thing, too. Like, because her story, it was necessitated by her having to leave for maternity leave. But it's just so disconnected from the rest of the show that it just it's obvious how much time it's taking up it's, it like detracts you from like what's actually going on which makes it even more annoying that they spend so much time on it mm-hmm. yeah like halfway through the episode i'm like oh i'm getting very impatient coming back to these scenes because we all yep. wanted to go back to the mirror verse there was nothing going on in caitlin's apartment <laughs> Um, and even, you know, I thought they were just going to ship her off on the train and be like, okay, bye. I didn't realize her mom was going to show up and take her right. and experiment on her while she was right there. I was like, I thought this is why you were so going to her lab. <laughs> yeah, like, why do you need to leave do this? She's just going to come to you. 
Yeah, it made no sense. Better when she was like kidnapped by a black hole and just like disappeared for like months. That was a bit <laughs> and relevant. Yeah, that would have you know, been interesting. This is what we get. So yeah, let's see who else had stuff to complain about. Where's the feedback? <laughs> yes, where is the feedback, Tati? Let's find this feedback. Um. I think we had Sheena, Paulina. Sheena. Mm-hmm. I hope you're well. This episode was not bad, but it was far from finale worthy. However, I understand that it was out of the producer's control, so I'm not mad. I enjoyed the Ralph's interactions, and I'm intrigued by this new development of her being framed for Carver's murder. I'm hoping she'll go on the run and Ralph will go along to protect her. A fugitive storyline could be really interesting for them, and be a cool way to explore their relationship. I don't want to go through another trial with incompetent metahuman attorney Cecile Horton. <laughs> um, the fight sequence was not as epic as they hyped it up to be. Speaking of disappointments, when Black Hole was remember when Black Hole was supposed to be this big, terrifying organization of dangerous criminals? Carver sure got dispatched easily. He wasn't that convincing as the head of a deadly organization anyway, so good riddance. This is very true. I don't even still don't know what Black Hole was even doing. Eva, on the other hand, was pretty scary, and I enjoyed her team of warriors. Now she's gotten rid of Carver, what's her new mission? I'm guessing she'll keep Iris and the others in the Mirrorverse as a way to keep Barry and the team in line. I'm bummed that Iris is still stuck in the Mirrorverse and now she's vanished. I really hope that they explore her feeling the effects of being stuck there after being rescued. I hate that the storyline dragged on for this long, and who knows when we'll get to see the conclusion. Here are the gripes. What the hell was Barry talking about? The Bar- or what the hell was Harry talking about? The Barry Allen I know would never hesitate, or whatever the hell he said. Did he forget that Barry went to Earth 2 and got so caught up in his life with Iris and Joseph that he bailed on the mission to find Jesse? Did he forget mm-hmm. that Barry in 314 um, had to be convinced by Harry and Iris not to kill Grodd? I really hate when these writers aren't consistent with the character's true natures. Of course Barry considered trading Carver to Iris for Iris. It has been established and reinforced over and over again that, he's, that she's his entire world. And two, the constant coddling of Caitlin and Frost has got to end. I can't bear it anymore. That aside, I enjoyed the season overall, and I felt like it was really shaping up to be one of the best. Hopefully they complete their remaining episodes soon. Um, I will say that the show would, like, I would feel much better about the season overall if we had gotten to see the completion, and that completion had agency and screen time for, for the real Iris, right? <laughs> if that was true, and she got out, and she had real feelings about it, and whatever, et cetera, then this definitely would be one of the strongest seasons of The Flash. But unfortunately, that did not happen. And instead, it fell prey to the lag of the second half that always happens every season. We always have that lag. And we didn't get to fix it. I wish we had at least episode 20. If we had episode 20, yeah. then I would have been satisfied. Yeah, exactly. No matter how it ended. No matter how episode 20 ended, if we had just gotten to see it. <laughs> yes. I'm right there with you on that. Um, then we have Swara. Swara says, um, the finale wasn't going to be the finale. Honestly, it was overall great and well-directed and written. While Iris should have had more screen time, I appreciated the furthering of her plot and the cliffhanger um, for what it'll mean next season. I'm very sad that it'll be January 2021, but honestly, I'm, I overall love the season and the West Allen content we got. This was Candace's season to shine, even with Ralph, Nash, and Ripoff Elsa to annoy us on the way. I really love Eva as a villain. I hope we get more of her in season seven. There were definitely blemishes, and Iris should be out of the damn mirror already. But the finale left me feeling somewhat excited, or somewhat satisfied, sorry, and excited for where we'll go on the West Allen journey next. Hopefully with far less ripoff Elsa. Ralph can stay, though. He was actually good this season. <laughs> yes, he was actually good this season. And then we have Paulina. Um, I hope you're doing well. Thank you. We are. 
Um, season six of The Flash is over. It's undoubtedly been a messy season. It was a rough go at, thing, at things in the first half. The back half was far stronger, but not without its problems. Success is assured. Probably can constitute 95% of the problems in the back half. <laughs> As a positive, it was relegated to this one episode. <laughs> but that's the only positive. Because I absolutely hated it. Um, any episode where Iris with Ellen has two minutes of screen time is a no-go for me. Any episode which diminishes the extreme levels of trauma that she undergoes is absolutely um, a flaming pile of garbage. Uh, White women wrote this, this episode. So much makes sense. We need to talk about value. We need to talk about trauma. We need to talk about sacrifice. Who is valued in this next episode? Taylor Frost and Kaylin Snow, to whom we've been saying goodbye for three episodes, when Danielle was only slated to be gone for another three. Cisco is gone for several episodes each season, and he does not get this Molly Codling. I wonder why. Because he's not white. Cecile, uh, saying that Caitlin's minor issues are as important as Iris, Camilla, and David, all of whom are stuck in a mirror, yes. um, undergoing various levels of trauma, um, <laughs> whose lives hang in the balance, but this white woman is going to recover at her mother's laboratory is just as important as three people of color who are trapped in another universe undergoing trauma. This is a constant trend in media, to elevate white characters' struggles to the trauma of characters of color, and there's absolutely no comparison. That line was so ugly, it's absurd, and I agree. And she, and I guess she's, like, pregnant, and so they don't have her, like, mobile as much, but just, like, Cecile saying that, and then Frost just sitting on the couch the whole episode, doing mm-hmm. nothing to help, while yep. other people pack her stuff. Yep. Yeah, yep. like, bring her a computer, at least. Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, whatever. Who else is valued in this episode? A horrible white man, Joseph Carver, who knew Iris was kidnapped and sat on the information for weeks because he's a cruel, terrible man who thought Iris got what she deserved for trying to take him down. He has literally tried to kill Iris several times before she was trapped in the mirror. Um, Barry is absolutely, apparently, absolutely positively wrong to consider mirror sings deal to trade Carver's life to save Iris. But the show can guilt him for thinking this and then force him uh, to spend the rest of the episode protecting Carver from Eva, the man who tried to kill his wife. Make it make sense. Yes. Um, it's not about breaking the no-kill code or debating the ethics as to whether or not Barry should kill for Iris. Um, I don't agree with the notion because that type of argument misunderstands Barry and Iris' characters. Whether or not the show has a too far basic conception of morality when it comes to killing villains is a separate argument. But the issue is that the show posits the no-kill issue when Iris's life hangs in the balance. We saw it in season three with Grodd. We see it with Carver. The, o- the show only writes this type of conundrum when it's about a villain being killed when Iris' life is threatened. That's not the issue. This type of stuff should not even be written when it concerns Iris' life, because we all know the show isn't going to have its hero, its hero kill anyone. So stop writing situations where we have to debate whether <laughs> villains' lives are worth more than Iris's, because yeah. we don't need to have that issue. Kate said, you know, Gotham City is not worth Luke Fox, so <laughs> why is it so difficult for Ben to be like, I don't care about this person more than my life. <laughs> yes. Um, also, who is valued? I mean, and it's stupid of Nash, too, because, mm-hmm. like, if he valued a stone or an artifact more than someone's life, and look where that landed him. Yep. Yep. Um, who else was valued? Sue Dearborn, the newest white woman addition to the cast, who gets a whole storyline about Eva framing her for Carver's death. Um, Black Hole now centers on Sue. It must be great to be a white woman on this show. I like Sue, but she's already getting much more care and attention than Camilla has ever gotten or that Allegra gets. Very true. The trauma. The character undergoing the most amount of trauma. The character undergoing a literal mind warp as she suffers from neural dissonance. The character who nonetheless pushes through the intense pain to find David Singh is the character who has the least amount of screen time. 
Iris' trauma was not showcased. It was forgotten until it was necessary to bring it up again for the final wham shot. Yes. Now, her prediction is um, that she thinks Iris obviously went somewhere in the mirrorverse, but perhaps she'll be revisiting moments in her life. It would be a unique situation to give Iris closure with Francine and Nora. I do like the idea of Iris visiting um, parts in her life so that she can have her own closure, like her own little speed force with Barry. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Excellent. Do we have any predictions? That one. Yeah. Like, my first thought when I saw Iris, like, dematerializing in the final scene was that maybe, because Camilla said that you can control the mirror world now, that maybe she just, like, teleports. She can, like, teleport within the mirrorverse because she was, like, concentrating so hard on, like, finding seeing and where he is, and now she knows where he is. And so it feels like she's so focused on it that she could just, like, teleport there. Um, so my prediction would have been that in episode 20, when we see where she goes, she would just kind of, like, pop up in the hospital, because that's where Singh is supposed to be. Um, I also don't understand, like, why Singh is in a hospital instead of, like, at CCPD, because that makes more sense. So yeah, it's a little bit concerning about why she's in the hospital. And then that goes back to, um, ties into Paulina's prediction that maybe she's, like, revisiting certain points, because her last, I think Eric said that someone from, I don't know if he was saying a villain from earlier seasons, a metahuman from earlier seasons, or just like a guest character from earlier seasons. No, those he, said a vi- he said a villain specifically. A villain, okay. Because those could mean like a lot of different things. So if it was just like a character, then, you know, like the last place that she was with her mom was in the hospital with, you know, Francine. So that could have been um, something. And then, you know, well, Eric talking about how emotional episode 20 was, you could also think about, and Jessica Parker Kennedy was in, Vancouver area for some reason during Oscar weekend, so she could have, like, popped in for um, an episode of Flash. You could probably get, like, Nora and Iris, and that would have been, like, really emotional to kind of full circle from the premiere episode where Iris is struggling to let Nora go. Um, So all of that could have been happened. We could have had it all. (laughs) Didn't we almost have it all? Um... (laughs) Do you did you already say your predictions, Tati? No, right? Um, Except the one that Paulina. yeah, I mean, but I don't really have any others. Like, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Just that yeah. I think that I do. Oh, actually, I guess this is a prediction. I do think that Iris will have Mirrorverse powers, and then will allow her to like the final battle will be her going up against Ava. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think the same. Um, because it's like Eva's definitely her villain more so than anybody else's this season, mm-hmm. and. I think that Eva's going to get to a point that now she's that that she's killed Carver. She's going to, I don't know what she'll be up to, but it'll be bad enough that Team Flash has to stop her or whatever. And I think that Iris gaining control over the Mirrorverse and her even having powers will also help get her out at some point. Like with like the two sides of the mirror, her new powers and then whatever Barry and them do on the other side will send her out. It's great that she would get, like, Mirrorverse powers and control of the Mirrorverse and maybe, like, Mirror Mistress versus Mirror Mistress, but then it also feels like she would get out of the mirror herself, which Iris always has to do stuff herself. Yeah. save herself. Yeah. Well, I think, like, if it's a combination of things, like, like I said, like, on the regular side of the mirror, them doing something at somehow at the same time, like... Because we still, yeah, we still have to, to like, resolve Barry and his speed and building the artificial speed force. That'd yeah. be another thing. And if there's like, if this, if Iris disappearing goes into her, because another thing I found about is that she's like disappearing into going to her like version of a speed force. 
So then that's another way you can bring in Francine because what mm-hmm. Nora was preparing Francine to be for Iris. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I know that Grant didn't say anything about how Iris being his lightning rod would be a part of him getting his powers. But that's because that was at the time where he knew that 19 was going to be the end of it. And then an interview, I don't know which one it was, with Eric, he basically said that uh, getting out of the Mirrorverse will tie into the artificial speed force. And we know that, I think it was like a few weeks ago, that Grant posted a behind-the-scenes of him in his Flash suit doing a stunt scene, and that was for episode 20. So we know that he has probably gets his powers back um, by then. So it would have been interesting to see like how that all happened. So sad times. Now moving into Legends of Tomorrow, our final show on Side B, end of the episode. Sisterhood. The Legends find themselves going back to college and form a sorority in order to try to retrieve an ancient artifact called the Chalice of Dionysus, the god of wine and partying, that will help Charlie operate the Loom of Fate. Proud to be back at his college, Nate falls under uh, Dion's spell, letting him know of Sarah, Astra, Ava, and Charlie's plan to get the cup. Meanwhile, on a father-daughter weekend, Rory takes Lita, Lita on a college tour, but Rory bails on Lita for an unexpected reason. I can never remember her name for some reason. Um, ta- uh, Nico Sash directed the episode written by Matthew Mala and Uba Muhammad. What sparked joy? Um, it sparks joy that Uba Muhammad likes our Constance Eve posts because she too <laughs> shits Constance Yeah. Um, <laughs> but more than that, um, I think that frat boy Nate is, you know, his true form. It suited him very well. I loved seeing him be enchanted by Dionysus and then hopping right back to the sisters team when that spell wore off. Also, Dionysus himself uh, was uh, attractive and funny. I enjoyed him. I loved his banter and the fact that he respected Clotho. And then also when he was like, I don't know what he said, but he was just like, basically like, we're all about consent here, right? Like, we just want you to have fun. I don't know what he said, but it was just really cute. It was like really like douchey, but at the same time, like, correct. You know, so... (laughs) So, yeah, and then like at the end when when he did lose the the beer pong or whatever it was, he he you know did relent. He did not go back on his word there, so that was nice. Um, I beloved making Lida continue or Lita Lida continuing to love their storyline, um, and how they both felt like fish out of water in this like rich kid college, and Mick was like feeling insecure about you know what he has done or not done for her as a father, and so he was like, let me just go bounce. You know, because you must be embarrassed of me. And then she's like, no, I'm not embarrassed of you. I'm embarrassed of me. And then they're like, let's go rob them. <laughs> rob list. So, um, yeah, I love them. Um, this is definitely the best use of Mick uh, since the show has started. Just period at the end. Um, love Charlie and Astra, like, starting to understand each other, eventually working together, um, doing a little bit of Charlie's plan, a little bit of Astra's plan, and both of that working out. And the fact that we did get to, like, hear um see more of like who charlie was versus who charlie is now and even when astro was saying you know you're the one you're the loom breaker right because like diana's talking about the loom breaking but now it's like but now you follow the rules you're what the happens? man now exactly you were against the man before but now you are the man <laughs> yeah so we get to see uh, both of them develop in that way and i really like the the progression towards astro fully being a part of uh the legends team and now it feels like you know she really will be uh, next next season. Um, also love their pledges, the little, like, uh, sorority that they created with, like, 
for outcasts, basically. Um, and then at the end, they were like, no, we're going to continue it because we really like the message. Oh, and also the fact that Eva, it was it Ava that came up with the motto. Ava came up with the motto that was yeah. like, yeah. I can't remember what it was now, but it was a really good one. And I was like, you it was something about like stronger. They're stronger together. I don't know. But yeah, something like that. Together, but also together. Yeah, it was something like, it was like, we may be a mess, but together we're whatever, you know? Like, Like, we suck, but together we are awesome. So I was like, that's really cute. Um, So yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, And also, Sarah's, you know, not so blind, mirror prong skills were also epic. So thank you for that, Sarah. The end. (laughs) I'm trying to see if I wrote down what she said, because I also liked. Ava's uh, little motto for the sorority, but I can't find it. But anywho, um, Dynamax is hot. <laughs> I really enjoyed Dion. I thought it was a great um, use of bringing like a Greek god to somewhere like into modern times. It will probably naturally be his habitat. It makes like a lot of sense where Dionysus would be like where the party's at, like in a college frat house. Um, I agree. The episode made great use of Nate and his Peter Pan syndrome. <laughs> What's the, what was his like nickname? Like Steel Check Nate or something like that. <laughs> he like said it like all the time. But um, shotgun Nate. Uh, shotgun Nate. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really funny, <laughs> and it it played into Nate's strengths as a character. I think obviously Constancy like. Um, we didn't get a lot of it this episode, but when uh, they use the house, Constantine's house, for their sorority, and he's like, careful, because the gargoyles bite, and she's like, I bite. And, you know, like, this is a little, like, flirty banner thing. It was, like, yes. minor, but it was there, and I appreciated it. Um, which makes me think, like, like the girls at the end, where they're like, we're going to keep the sorority going, like, how? This is Constantine's house. <laughs> what do you do when this house is no longer here? Um, but anywho... Um, Astra's growth over this episode I really enjoyed I still think Nora should have been a part of the storyline and I feel like but I also feel like Nora would like fix the story before <laughs> it got a chance to even develop because I, I think that she I still think she would have been the best person to tackle Astra since they are so have such similar backgrounds but uh, and I think Astra's impatience caused a lot of unnecessary setbacks for the team over the course of the episode. Um, but she wasn't exactly wrong when she said that the team kept, kept expecting things from her, but not offering any sort of trust or friendship in return. It was a lot of, like, do as I say, not as I do. Um, they never really treated her as trustworthy, and yet they expect her to follow the rules and do what they do. And I like that she made a point about how Charlie you know, according to Dion, and according to how we were first introduced to Charlie, she was like the rule breaker. She didn't follow any rules. She tried to free all of the um, magical monsters from last season and, and fighting against the legends and doing all this stuff in the beginning. But now it seems like she's like lost her edge a little bit. Like she's not the punk rock queen that she used to be or that she claims that she still is. Um, and so I don't, you know, with Charlie, and Charlie kind of, like, realizing that, kind of, like, you know, letting go the reins a little bit, um, and then kind of listening to Astra later on in the episode. I don't think the Legends ever really apologized for the week before when they locked her up. They're just kind of like, oh, my bad. Um, so there's not really a lot of, like, 
trust that has been developed there on their side. So it makes sense why Astro would be like, you know, not very forthcoming and wanting to be a part of the team. Um, but while I understand why she doesn't like them, the first, like, two-thirds of the episode was pretty, like, difficult to watch because she was just being so, you know, detrimental to anything that was going on. Everything, they had, like, a plan. She kept, like, derailing it. Um, but the final third where they actually, like, listened to her and actually execute Asher's plan, which was a great plan, um, all of that was really good. Um, Mick and Lita is developing really nicely, still developing really nicely. I, I agree about the whole fish out of water with, like, the rich kids plot, and I like the the end. I felt kind of bad when he dumped Nate on her and just kind of, like, disappeared for an episode, because who leaves their child with Nate, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the reveal when he came back, because he went back in time to, like, buy a building for her so she would feel like she belonged just like they did and her you know talking about it's not really that she was embarrassed him she was just embarrassed of her like herself um and that they kind of bonded over messing with the rich people at the end I thought that was really nice and and it's they're doing a good job of keeping Nick out of main storylines while also giving him something kind of worthwhile to do so that was good um Yeah. Excellent points. I loved seeing Dionysus. Like, my Greek 101 class just came back to me. Um, I was a big Greek geek. Oh, geek. Yeah, so that was really, really fun. I was like, ooh, Dionysus in the 21st century. Amazing. Um, I also agree that he was very attractive. And it made total sense that when he said he just kept the party going, I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Um. The fact that Nate blended in so well, <laughs> he was in his natural habitat as well. Like, he could be Dionysus' wingman for all we know, you know. Just let Nate fly. Be a college kid. <laughs> um, I love Astra and Char- Charlie bonding and, like, working together and then taking the time to develop over the course of the episode itself. Like, as impatient as Astra was, uh, she was still trying to settle into her new life and like feeling like she doesn't really belong but also that the legends are not great to her all the time either but then also accepting the fact that this is a big change and even though she's been reluctant to be there now it seems like she wants to be there versus her just needing to be there to save her mom um and just the acknowledgement that change doesn't always have to be bad and her kind of growing into this new reality of hers because she's been in hell for so long and that's like all she knew. Um, so I thought that was really great growth for her. Um, Zari texting that girl on the bench. <laughs> that was a hilarious scene. I was like, yeah, I guess that would really, <laughs> they're just having a whole conversation. Um, I really loved the whole sisterhood of it all. Like it made sense. It wasn't just like, Oh, feminism. It was just like these outcasts kind of rallying together and it speaks to the show too because all the legends are outcasts so they gathered all these women who were not accepted into the typical sorority and it really worked out for the best and they were all just planning and plotting and the guys were just doing their own thing on the side um and i love the fact that like i too just very surprised every week when they give mick more story with his daughter and i'm like oh i really i'm really enjoying this this is very sweet and cute and i like that 
I like how it's developing and each episode we sort of get something different and it feels like it's building somewhere, but I think it's like Tati said, it's his best storyline since like the early parts of the show. They finally gave him something that he can do without feeling like a complete being a complete jerk or being inserted into storylines that don't make sense and saying things. So this really, really works for him and I feel like he's in his element now where he's trying to discover his daughter and she's trying to learn new things about him, but they're also very similar and them teaming up together in this episode made a load of sense and it was great. Um, other things I like, I just like the whole vibe. The ping pong battle was great. Um, it was just really fun to see the legends having some fun with the whole thing, even though the mission itself was very serious. <laughs> um, and that Dionysus was also like, yeah, I guess, you know, I'm just going to give you guys a chalice now because you won fair and square and that's fine. So he took it like a man, a guy in the 21st century would <laughs> versus a god back in the day probably would have. <laughs> so evolution. <laughs> what did not spark joy? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I don't even know if I had that much that didn't spark joy, but first, first of all, yes, I will agree with what Jessica will say in the future, which is that Sarah is, or Katie just cannot act blind to save her life. Um, so Sarah just looks like she's, you know, just chilling with her sunglasses on and anything about her blind line comes up with a joke. Like there's no urgency whatsoever to get her eyesight back because she does not see him blind. So fine. You know, um, I like the way they used it to have her like have the foresight to beat him at the game, but they should just have her have foresight and not not have sight because she can't do it. Yeah, um, because <laughs> they're playing beer pong and Sarah is supposed to be blind. Like, did it not occur to any of the other people at the game? Like, how are you supposed to play? You're blind. <laughs> They probably did not know she was blind because she does not behave yeah. blind in any way. How is she supposed to aim yeah. for something that she's she was just the cool thing. kid? <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, aside from that, I um I totally again agree. Like, obviously they were way too old to be in college, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, I I do feel like they could have um Zari be like now that. Zari has spent so long sort of getting acclimated to, to the group and like that she is a valuable member of the group. It'd be nice to see her be more active in the group, um, in the plans. Um, or, um, to, to not have lost some other characters that would have been, uh, good in this moment, but whatever. Like, I don't understand why they had to send Ray and Nora off early when they, there was so much they could have done in this particular episode. Um, even. So, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, overall, like, I don't really have any complaints because I just enjoyed it. It was just, like, fun. Um, I don't, and, and, since the season ended appropriately at the correct time, I have full faith that they are gonna do whatever the hell they're gonna do next episode to bring back someone. Bayrod, probably. (laughs) So, so yeah. Um, that's all. That's it. I got nothing else. Yeah, I, y'all liked it. I like the sorority sisters. <laughs> You're like, I guess you guys. It was a little lame to me. Um, I felt like you know they threw a better bachelorette for Nora like a couple episodes back. This one kind of, you know, was like whatever. Um, it's not really a huge didn't spark joy. It's just kind of like, 
Um, and yeah, I mean, it's really weird. The legends clearly look like 30 somethings surrounded by like teenagers or middle schoolers. Like, especially when Astra and Charlie went to the Theta meeting with, and the girls that they're sitting at the table with, like, these girls look like they're 12. <laughs> and Charlie and Astra look like they have graduated college a long time ago. I don't know why people didn't like point that out. Like, how, like, made fun of like how old they were. Um, you know, I, th- I thought it was, like, funny, like, you know, Ava was like, what do the cool kids do nowadays? But they didn't really, like, play into that more, aside from that one scene. Um, so, it, you know, I know Hollywood usually gets, like, 20 or 30-somethings to play teenagers in, like, dramas, but, like, there's no way that the legends, like, pass for college age. And I have to say, kids- that confused me growing up. It's, like, 14. I'm like, aren't people supposed to look older now? <laughs> Very true, very true. (laughs) But, like, I don't, like, none of the college students, like, gave them shit about it or made it, it's like they they didn't get into the sorority because they weren't cool enough, not because they look, like, super old. Um, So, yeah, I feel like there there could have been, like, something, you know, they just come up with, like, a sorority in, like, 30 minutes and and get into, like, the college cup or whatever. Yeah. Zari, I feel like she should have been the obvious choice to go undercover for to join a sorority. Like I don't know why in their team planning they sent Charlie and Astra instead of Zari. Like Zari would have been like the the theta president by the end of that meeting, you know? Yeah, um so that was just like a missed <laughs> opportunity. Um Katie does not know how to play a blind person. She's just Sarah with sunglasses. And then they didn't even, like, um, I, like, last week's episode, they had some kind of, she was either wearing contacts, which probably hurt, or they used the, uh, special effects to make her eyes, like, a little bit cloudy or whatever. But this week, in the beginning of the episode, her eyes just looked normal, and she was, like, looking at people like she would normally look at people. And so it was like, is she not blind? Did she get her sight back? Like, it was really confusing to me. And then she had some kind of offhand comment about being blind. So like, okay, well, I guess she still is blind. And then they gave her the glasses. Um, but yeah, like I don't, it would, didn't seem to be much of a deterrent for her and they didn't really have anything. They didn't really show anything different about her being blind or how she had to adjust her life. She just is blind. Um, and not really convincingly so. So, you know, it is, you know, why not just give her foresight and be done with it and not do this whole blind thing if you're not really going to actually explore what that means for a blind person to live, especially someone that used to be able to see and now they can't see how frustrating that could be. Um, I thought the ping pong challenge, it could have been more, like, a little bit more competitive. I mean, Dionysus, he is a god. So, even if she asked foresight, there should have been, like, you know, something, but whatever. Um, I feel like my prediction was slightly off since everyone, except for Zari, drank from the cup to become gods. Because um, I thought it was only going to be the three. But uh, it was kind of... Um, that, so that was a little bit disappointing. I guess it also kind of lessens Sarah's storyline about her being blind and having powers, because if they were all going to become gods at the end of the day, then what was the point? Unless, because, I don't know, how many episodes are left after this? One or two? 
I think four. I think. Oh, it really? Yeah, because I because sense. this one's this was episode twelve, and I think they had I thought till sixteen it was or for some reason. Oh, it felt like we were closer to the end. But I guess I guess okay. Then that's gonna probably flow into my predictions. But they have to fail as a big group of gods, and somehow, and it's still gonna have to at the end come down to Astra, Charlie, and Sarah. Otherwise, Sarah's storyline doesn't really makes sense, and then Astra's storyline doesn't really get the conclusion that it deserves. There are Uh, three episodes left, by the way. Okay. I don't like Lakeesis coming back at the end and just gets, like, Astra made all this progress, and now it just means that she's going to have to backslide and destroy, like, a small bridge of friendship that she built, um, or have it seem like that to the Legends, and the Legends are going to be like, I hate you again, and it's just going to be like, but... She was coerced, and no one will believe me watching. And, and so, yeah, I don't like that. I'm not looking forward to it. I'll say it that way. Fifteen episodes. Hmm. Two less than last year. Um, yeah, I mean, I will agree about the whole, obviously, Sarah being blind because, you know, she would have been bumping into things or having to be guided through hallways and whatnot. Like, this will be a struggle. <laughs> and I also feel like knowing there's only three more episodes left that this whole Sarah storyline really came in late in the game. And I really don't know how they're going to tie it all up because it just, like you said, there's no urgency to her being blind or no one being suspicious as to how she even survived. Like not even Charlie's not wondering how the hell that happened. Knowing her sister is very powerful. (laughs) Um, so hopefully we'll we'll discover that soon, but that's just like a nitpick for now. Um, yeah, there's I don't think there's anything else that you guys haven't already mentioned. So pass on the feedback. Suara, yes, Suara is back at it again with Legends feedback. And what does he have to say to us? He says Legends was so good. I honestly love the Greek campus storyline and the, the how the writers made caricatures of college life. I think it worked to great comedic effect, actually. I love Astra increasing. I love Astra increasingly becoming part of the team and building up a friendship with Charlie. I don't think she's going to betray them, um, or if she does, she'll save the day. Um, she's a great character and they're building her to be part of the team. I agree with this. Sarah as a sorority leader was something I didn't know I needed. LOL. It just all came together so well. I even liked Nick's storyline with his daughter. Shocking. Loved Zari stepping up to the task of building the sorority. Love that they continue to show her as an actively practicing Muslim. That's right. Refusing the drink. Yes. Yeah. We talked about that in the comments. Yes, I forgot yeah. to mention that. Yeah. yeah. That was really good. I was like, really, you know, it's like it hurts me personally that she was standing right next to Constantine and supposed to drink after him, and then she didn't. But then it's like I didn't I, I didn't hear what she said, and May says because it was Haram. I was like, oh, okay, that's nice, like, detail that they <laughs> Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I had also not heard what you said. Like, I knew it was, like, something. Like, I was like, it's yeah. definitely, um, like, a, a Muslim thing. But I was like, I don't know what it is. And then May told us. I, I didn't hear what she said at all. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> So. That's so, just haram. This is haram. Everything is haram. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's the unending joke. <laughs> so um, that's that on feedback, I think. Excellent. Do we have any Legends predictions? I mean, I said mine. Yeah, I mean, that's it's that. Just that I think that 
we're obviously heading towards Astra being part of the team, like being a legend. So she will either fake that she is working with a third sister whose name I can never remember, and then, you know, betray her for the legends at the end. Or if she does choose to go with her, like, sort of unwillingly, she will still turn around and save the day. Yeah, I think she will betray the legends with her own plan in mind to unbetray them later. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wise decision. <laughs> All right. I do not I'm have any predictions. So <laughs> so we move into Lady with Gumption of the Week, who are – so we have uh, Lena from Side A, the only only woman on Side A. <laughs> yeah. Who would who we nominate on Side B? Maybe Eva. I think you could – I think you would have to give it to Eva because yeah. she had a evil plan. She convinced people to join her plan, and then she carried out her plan. And then she had a press conference about it. So, yeah, sure. Clearly. We get it. <laughs> Points are made. So is she the lady with the final lady with gumption? I th- probably. I feel like on, on Legends, I would say Astra. Yeah, uh, on Legends, Astra. Yeah. Um, but I do I think, think Eva sort of comes out winning. Like, she did end yeah. the on top. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Literally, she ended the All season right. on top. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Ava McCulloch, you are our Lady with Gumption of the Week. We shall wait until January to see what you do next. Right? <laughs> <laughs> see you next year. <laughs> uh, until then, we will still up. be back. Yeah. <laughs> For next week, we have Batwoman, Supergirl, uh, season finales, quote unquote, uh, and, and Legends is back again, and then our- Star Girl. That's right. Will be our new show that we'll be covering and for you, next week. You said that you've watched the first two episodes. I have, yes, and, and I quite enjoyed it for what it was. Um, very oh, like wholesome, Aww. like feel good type um, story in general. I really like the main character. Actually, she's. I feel like she's. Um, she walks the balance of not being a super whiny teenager, but she's also not like doesn't make the best decisions. So it's you know it's accurate <laughs> to being a teenager so it works out and i love her relationship with uh luke wilson's character too nice. yeah so we'll discuss that in you know what i'm saying <laughs> we'll discuss, yeah, we'll discuss, it. We'll discuss it in full next okay. week okay <laughs> okay that's the word i was like what are we trying to say <laughs> um until then you can reach us at ladieswgumption at gmail.com send us any asks over at ladieswgumption at tumblr.tumblr.com and of course over on Twitter at DCTVGumption and we will see you next week. Good night and good day.